Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome back to the show, everybody. You are watching and or listening to the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Beside me is Dan Mater. We are still waiting on Chris Dauhauer. Dan, of course, is the former host of this show and the current host of the Belly Up MDFF show. And he just got back from vacation. Dan, how was your much-deserved trip? It was much needed is what it was. <laughs> it felt like I got to refresh Got the tan, went to Hawaii, it was awesome, over a week there with my wife, and we had a, a wonderful time. I came back actually motivated, because, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit, a little, little bit of a grind around here, you know, and you're trying right. to put, put yourself on the map, you're doing all the number crunching, and you get all the analysis going. It was good just to get away, tune everything out, and now I'm back, because I'm not taking another break from now until the end of the season. Chris isn't either, even though he's running a little bit late. He might run late, but he's not going to take breaks. I promise you that. Uh, Adam, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're, we're talking about our top 10 uh, most undervalued by ADP players um, for redraft fantasy, and we're doing it by 0.5 PPR just to kind of keep things balanced. Don't want anyone that's too PPR heavy or that you know benefits more from touchdowns and less from receptions. So we're kind of keeping that balance. Um, but before we get into that, I think we wouldn't be doing our jobs as a, a fantasy football live show on, you know, uh, on July 20th if we didn't talk about the Cam Akers injury a little bit and, you know, what that um, does to the running back landscape. I mean, that's one of the most important positions in, in fantasy. So to lose someone who has been, you know, touted as this major dynasty asset and this running back that's going to break out, being treated as this RB one, um, to lose him in in the end of the J- July, excuse me, is, you know, it's very impactful on our season. So what does this mean for uh, Henderson? What does this mean for some of the free agents or guys potentially on the trade block like Adrian Peterson or James Robinson, um, maybe even Sony Michelle? Uh, what does these mean? What does this mean for those guys? 
Well, first of all, I'm going to just, for the people out there who like me, who have Cam Akers on multiple dynasty teams, I mean, this was a gut punch for multiple reasons, not just if you had Cam Akers, but for me, I finally finalized my half-point PPR rankings all the way through 390 players yesterday. We're still getting through the standard in the PPR. I put it up on Fantasy Pros I'm part of their ECR competition this year. I was going to get it going on the BellyUpFantasySports.com website, which it will be up there before training camp starts like I promised. But now I have to go back and tweak because – Losing Cam Akers, it doesn't just affect Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. It also affects the amount that the Rams may run in general. There might be more passing attempts now for Matthew Stafford. It affects Robert Woods. It affects Cooper Cup. It affects a slew of players, not to mention all the rankings for everybody else that goes to the running back position as well. So, yes, I was a little irritated because I stayed up late last night trying to get it done and finalized for this show so I can have a lot of good content, a lot of good numbers to be able to throw at you guys. And it's like, oh, now I have to go back and tweak a little bit extra than I was supposed to. Uh, but look, instantly off the top of my head, without having had him statted out yet, Darren Henderson instantly becomes a mid-range RB2. There's nobody on the roster right now that is of any significance whatsoever, which leads me to believe, like you brought up, they're going to bring somebody in. Now, who's that going to be? I don't know. For the ironic, comedic part of myself, I kind of have fingers crossed it's going to be Todd Gurley, just how ironical that would be to bring back Todd Gurley to the Rams after leaving. And it would actually make a little bit of sense because if you bring him in to be the goal line savant, he still gets into the red zone. That's something Darren Henderson does not thrive at. It would kind of make a little bit of sense to bring a Todd Gurley in or an Adrian Peterson to kind of fill that role. Other guys... I think it would be good for them to bring in. I think they need to bring in two veterans, quite frankly. If you look at the rest of this roster, it's it's kind of you don't know what you're gonna get. It, it's kind of and Daryl Henderson's not a model of you know staying healthy throughout the entire season either. So honestly, I think they need to bring in two guys. I think they bring need to bring in either a Duke Johnson, DeAndre Washington type com- uh, paired with a Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley type as well. They want to make sure that they're set at that position. But for fantasy purposes right now, Darrell Henderson becomes a mid-range RB2. He doesn't have quite the explosiveness that a Cam Akers does from running the football, but he is a better pass catcher and was already going to be utilized on third downs to begin with. So the volume overall, I do believe, will stay there. Maybe a little bit less touchdowns than Cam Akers would have gotten. Maybe a little bit less yards per carry than Cam Akers would have gotten. But Darren Henderson is still going to be a solid RB2 at the end of the day, especially if the roster stays like this or if they don't bring in anybody that I think is going to take away a significant amount of workload from him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely agree. They, they need to bring in two guys, especially given uh, the injury history of Henderson. Um, like you said, Duke Johnson, I think that would be a, a really cool fit. Uh, like I brought up in my examples earlier, uh, we've talked on this show a couple times about Sony Michelle potentially being cut, uh, potentially being someone who doesn't make it uh, on the Patriots final roster with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and um, uh, James White all coming back or being added. Sony Michelle is someone that could be fringe on the roster. If he gets dropped off, I think he could be someone on the radar of Sean McVay who has shown interest in that, that offense and just the Patriots in general before. Um, so he's someone I, I would keep a lookout on, and I, I think he would be an interesting addition to the team. Let's talk about real quick before we move on, Cam Akers 
and his dynasty impact because it's an Achilles injury. This is still the one injury that seems to affect players differently. Like if you get an ACL at this point, we've seen players just come back from ACLs in a year's time, be good to go. And Achilles is still something that affects different players differently. We've seen some guys be able to come back in, in a year's time, like it's an ACL and be perfectly fine. We've seen some guys come back and they kind of need that extra year before they get back to being themselves. Now, here's the one thing I'll say about Cam Akers. There's a chance Henderson doesn't come back after this season. So if they truly believe in him, he may be given his workload as, as the workhorse right back. It's definitely possible. He's still going to be young. He came in the league young. He's, still, he's only going to be 23, I believe, next season. Uh, so, But what is your take? Are you looking to sell Cam Akers, or are you going to try to just stay hold, or are you going to try to buy him from somebody who might just want to be getting out on the sweepstakes of Cam Akers now? Uh, to me, Cam Akers is definitely either a hold or a buy. I would absolutely be willing to buy in on him if you know if people are down on him. I still see the talent. Um, actually, I think uh, I'm more willing to buy him now. I before was getting a little bit uh, pushed off of him just because of the value. The value I think was getting kind of insane. Um, but now, I mean, if, if we talk about a mid to late first for him, especially if we get late. Um, from a team maybe maybe not even now, but maybe mid-season when they're a little desperate and they need an instant gratification, need a running back right then. I mean, he's someone that would absolutely be worth the buy and stash. Um, Sean McVay's job is secure. Stafford's going to be there for a little bit. I, I would love to get, um, get into that running back group, especially considering someone that will get the lion's share of the carries when he comes back healthy. I will admit there should be a little bit of concerns um, for the injuries now. Um, him having you know dealt with a couple of small injuries before, and now obviously this is a major one. But you know this is an injury that the NFL has been getting better at um, athletes rebounding from. So I- I'm willing to take the risk, like I said, especially if the value drops a little bit. I want to give a shout out to Travis, who uh, was part of Belly Up Fantasy. He's doing some great work there uh, with the network that he's with now. Uh, he actually chimed in. Thank you, Travis, for chiming into the show. He, uh, he, want, he says he would sell Henderson high if he was the owner. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I think that would honestly, it would be more about are you in a position to compete for a championship and all of a sudden you just got handed an extra running back? That's the only reason why I wouldn't necessarily sell, but that's actually mm-hmm. a really great point there by Travis. Sell high on Darren Henderson because, I mean, his value is never going to be higher. Again, I don't know if he's going to be back with the Rams next season. If he's not, a lot of things go up in the air. I like Darren Henderson coming out. I think he has great talent, but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's going to be a true workhorse other than maybe the situation he finds himself in right now. So, yeah, you're probably never going to get more value than you would out of Daryl Henderson at this moment. So that's an excellent point as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think that can take us into our uh, undervalued rankings. Um, well, before, before we get in that, before we get in that, Adam, I think we did the show a disservice. First of all, everyone who's looking at Adam's background right now, if you're watching <laughs> on the stream, he just moved into his place. I mean, literally two days ago, just right. moved into his place. That's why he's got boxes and clothes and everything all over the place. So I think we, we should have mentioned that in the beginning. The other thing yeah. I think we need to mention before we move into that too is, is Manscaped, one of our big sponsors of today's show. And they want to let you know that summer is here, but they want to know, are you ready to unveil your beach bod? 
if you're not, you're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your dad bod or six pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. Again, that is 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. All right, now we can get the minutia of today's show, Adam. Go for it. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with someone that you and I both have, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we do get a Chris in here soon. But we'll start off, like I said, with someone you and I both have. You had him as your most undervalued guy. I had him at the middle of the pack, but we can really talk about him. Antonio Brown who I think is going to end up, and uh, Chris and I talked about this a little bit on the show two weeks ago, but I think he may very well end up as the wide receiver two on the Buccaneers um, as the guy second in line for targets. And then a Bruce Arians offense, that's awesome. Um, I think he's – we saw a little bit of this at the end of last season and um, through the playoffs where Chris Godwin was the one that felt left out, right, Uh, the tight end position and Chris Godwin were getting a little less love and Antonio Brown, especially in PPR, but even a half point PPR and even in standard was um, doing very, very well. He's someone I am loving the value on this season. Absolutely great. Uh, Dan, how did you have him ranked out uh, with your rankings? Well, I, I have him ranked 24th. Now, I do have him third as far as the Tampa Bay wide receivers go. I have Mike Evans ninth. They have Chris Collin around the 15th, 16th area. I have Antonio Brown 24th. I just expect this offense to be very, very good. Uh, we know Tom Brady is great. We know Bruce Arians. Everyone's going to get the ball. But what we saw at the end of last year is what makes me love Antonio Brown, especially. And if I'm going to draft one Tampa Bay wide receiver, it's going to be Antonio Brown because of where you can get him right now. His ADP is wide receiver 46. That's criminal. That's not only is that criminal, it doesn't make any sense on the place of people out there who are drafting him wide receiver 46 you're telling me Antonio Brown's a wide receiver four he out targeted Mike Evans and Chris Godwin the latter half of the season after not having played for two years for two years he had not played football and he out targeted both those guys in an offense that was getting to learn each other through no training camp all of that this year they have nothing but chemistry they brought back everybody on this team you have nothing but chemistry time practice time training camp everything they're going through right now Antonio I do worry about Chris Godwin even though I have him ranked at 15 to 16th I do worry about Chris Godwin to some degree because Antonio Brown Got to play the slot more of the time, which I think is where Chris Godwin needs to kind of be more so for him to be at his best. And I kind of worry a little bit that if the trend continues from what we saw in the latter half of last season, Antonio Brown might usurp Chris Godwin as far as targets go because of the clear rapport that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown especially have with each other. So the reason why he was my number one undervalued player is because of the gigantic gap between where I have him ranked and expect out of him production out of him this season and where the ADP on him is right now. So I'm telling you, Antonio Brown is one of the top steals of your drafts. If this stands through August and we'll see exactly what happens. Yeah, absolutely. He is a, a a monster steal, uh, uh, yeah, like what you said, the 46 ADP is absolutely 
criminal. Um, so we'll move on to my top undervalued guy, which was Chris Carson, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. He, I, I had him when I looked as the RB19, I believe. And he's someone who, I, when he's on the field, he is a high-end RB2, not a low-end. And again, this is just, uh, I had him ranked at the number one. Um, not because of the gap, you know, I, I think there's about a, a six slot gap for him, whereas Antonio Brown, I, I would agree with, with Dan that he's someone I would rank in the, the 20s, mid 20s, um, versus his 46 ADP. But the priority given to the running back position in fantasy to me makes Chris Carson such a target in, in fantasy, even in dynasty, to be honest with you. He's, it feels like he's been in the league forever, and he has been hurt a handful of times. But he's one; he's n- normally only out for a handful of games, and that's something you can say about nearly every other running back. Two, he's someone that when he's on the field is consistently good. He's never fantastic, but he's consistently good to great. He's someone that is a bordering upon low end RB one to high end RB two. He almost always stays that way. And we have the upside of Pete Carroll wanting to run the ball more. Um, That's something that they have at least said in the media, which this could be coach speak. You know, you don't want to put too much emphasis into what's being said in the media. But there is upside there with them potentially running more and having more uh, volume. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I buy into they're really going to run the ball more, especially after offensive corner while being Shane Waldron. Actually, Chris and I just talked about this on the MD Spanish football show last Friday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network about the about the Seahawks and how we don't think, you know, you can trust the word out of Pete Carroll, which isn't breaking news, but that the actions there speak louder than the words do. I like Chris Carson a lot. I thought I was going to be a lot higher on him. Uh, than the ADP was going to be, but I actually have him. His ADP is 19. I actually have him ranked at RB19. There's a lot of really good running backs in that second uh, tier area this year, and I think it's a little bit different, but doesn't mean I don't like Chris Carson. I love that they made the financial commitment to him. I love that we put the Rashad Penny, should he get involved, stuff to bed. Uh, I'm so glad that's over with. Chris Carson should be the guy. He should be treated as the guy. I love your dynasty take. He's somebody I think you can go after a little bit right now, especially after they made that financial commitment to him. And he's somebody who gets a he gets this rep for being so injury prone. And yet you're going to have to deal with Chris Carson missing a couple of games. But it's other than last year, before last year, until, until the year he broke his leg, that in-between period, he never missed more than two games. Now, yes, I know he gets hurt. And there will be games where he, you know, he plays the first half, can't come out in the second half, things of that nature. But comparatively speaking to most running backs who are not in, let's say, the top four. And even last year, we had a litany of our top four running backs go down to injury anyway. But other than the elite guys, he gets hurt, you know, along with the top end of of those guys who stay healthy for the most part. He's still giving you double digit games. It's not it's not he's not missing four to six games. It's more like two to three games. I can live with that compared to speaking to the other running backs, especially talking about a guy who does have the potential. The pathway is certainly there for him, especially this season, because I expect that offense to be more consistent throughout the year to be a top end RB two. It wouldn't shock me if Chris Carson managed to get into the top 12 if he's able to play, say, 15 games this year. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think your note first on Rashad Penny is is uh, absolutely right. Um, it seems like he will finally be um, not. He's been kind of treated as the guy, but is now officially he's the guy. 
There's nobody really stopping him. They've made the commitment. They've all but come out and said that Chris Carson is our guy. And I think that speaks a lot to how he's going to be used. Also, I think what's worth mentioning is there's a problem with a lot of running backs that are getting this high volume, especially right now where we're getting smaller and smaller at the position. Uh, Chris Carson is someone who he is athletic enough to, you know, break a play, but he can be that goal line guy. He will get touchdowns. Um, He's at least capable of it. And, and, you know, I, I think that, he will be the workhorse. Yeah, exactly. And that can be the difference. You know, a couple touchdowns. We've seen it at both the receiver and running back position. Um, for me, I don't know why, but the the example that comes pops into my head is Adam Thielen. But, you know, a three to five touchdowns that you get just having a multiple touchdown game, that can be the difference between being a wide receiver one and a, a wide receiver four. And for Chris Carson, as you said, if he plays 15 games, him having a 10 to 12 touchdown season could easily be the difference between that RB 19 ADP that we're talking about and him, you know, making it into the low end RB one. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree. Like I said, I have him right where his ADP is. So he doesn't make my undervalued list, but mm-hmm. he is a guy that I like quite a bit this year. Absolutely. And uh, we, we talked about uh dynasty a little bit here. So I want you to make me feel good about someone who I recently acquired in my Dynasty Home League, uh, who I think I got a good value for, Jameis Winston, uh, who who you have, whose ADP is thirty one. Uh, tell us what you have him ranked and why that's the case. Well, all right. So first, I want to speak to his ADP being thirty one. I think part of that is because a lot of People out there, including fantasy experts, don't seem to want to plant their flag on one side or the other when it comes to Taysom Hill and James Winston, who they think is going to start. Because I'll even say this, Taysom Hill, his ADP is is, is QB 32. It just doesn't make any sense that the Saints quarterback, no matter who it is, is going to be that low. They're not going to be. So it's just a matter of people not really want to plant their flag at the moment. I'm willing to plant my flag. I'm willing to say it's going to be James Winston's starting quarterback. I know there was one recent report kind of about Taysom Hill. Maybe it's Taysom Hill, not James Winston's like the first one ever. And he put that one wasn't from an insider. It was from some, some you know writer out there. who was just trying to get views. It wasn't a guy where actually had like good inside sources or was in with the team or anything like that. James Winston is the best quarterback for the saints in general, for all the weapons for Sean Payton. They'll, they'll utilize Taysom Hill. They'll give him his packages. That part won't change, but Jameis Winston's the better quarterback. So I'm willing to plant my flag. It's going to be Winston. On top of that fact, Winston is a very good fantasy football quarterback. I don't care what you think about his interceptions or what he does. Fantasy football purposes, the guy puts up numbers. Will he probably be a little more tentative in this offense, knowing that if he throws a ton of picks, he may not get a second chance? Yeah, maybe. But... I don't care about any of that. You have Michael Thomas. You have Sean Payton. You have Alva Kamara. I like Adam Troutman a lot, too. We'll talk about him in a little bit later. Jameis Winston is my 12th quarterback. So I have him as a low-end QB1 heading into this season in that offense with those weapons. And Sean Payton, I believe, will get the best that we've seen out of Jameis Winston, which may not be his top-notch performance as a fantasy football player, but will be a better quarterback than what he has been. But more importantly, not only will he be fantasy relevant, he'll make everybody else very fantasy relevant along with him. But his ADP being 31 just makes no sense to me. This guy is going to be, at the very least, a high-end streaming quarterback. I believe he will be a low-end QB1. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think whoever the starting quarterback of the Saints is um, will be at worst uh, a high-end QB2. And I think that it will be Jameis that is that guy. So I'm right there with you. Jameis is a great value pick. Um, He's such a talent, and I I think – you know, he, he's got the arm talent. He might be inconsistent, but I think he will be a little bit more consistent under Sean Payton. And, you know, with those weapons that you mentioned in Kamara and in Michael Thomas, um, and, and he has to be. He's, you know, he knows that this is a competition, that this is kind of his last chance. So he, he needs to be more consistent. He's got the framework to be more consistent. He's got the platform to be more consistent. Um, he's been in the offense for a year. This isn't him in his first year with Bruce Arians throwing 30 picks in an offense that I'm, 30 picks is outrageous. Don't get me wrong, but everyone threw a lot of picks in, in their first year. And with he was Bruce so Arians. good for fantasy purposes, even when he did that. So, right, exactly. So, I, I think um, regardless of who you get as the New Orleans quarterback is going to be a value. And I, I think I'm right there with you. I would, I would hedge my bets on, uh, I would bet on Jameis Winston being the guy in in New Orleans for sure. With that, we can stay in the NFC South and and move on to my guy with the big quads, Mike Davis, who is the Atlanta Falcons running back. I'm going to double-check his ADP, but I believe he's being traded. 29? Yeah. Okay, that's even lower than I had remembered. Um, yeah, I, I would – he's somewhat – there's just no competition in Atlanta right now. He, I mean, he's not someone who outside of last year has shown a whole lot, but we've shown him – we've seen him be at least fantasy relevant. I love the coaching changes made in Atlanta that – we have stressed on this show numerous times what you need to do at the running back position, which is there's elite talents. So that's your Saquon Barkley's, that's your Christian McCaffrey's, that's your, you know, those guys, right? So you make exceptions for those guys. But if you're not one of those guys, the running back that you want, it's not the David Montgomery who's a solid running back, but he's on a bad offense. It's the solid running back to even mediocre, like just straight up mediocre running back, which is about where Mike Davis is, who's on a very very good offense with Arthur Smith, with uh, Ridley, with Matt Ryan, who's a, you know, he's getting a lot of flack, but he's a very solid to good quarterback. He's not, you know, where he was a couple years ago for sure, but he's a very solid quarterback. You know, they added Kyle Pitts. There's this offense is going to be very good um, as a passing offense, I think Arthur Smith will make it a point to make sure that they get better up front. And all of this is great for Mike Davis. We even talked about when they drafted Kyle Pitts, how that was a, a win, not for Ridley, you know, not for some of these other uh, receivers, not for Russell Gage, not for uh, Zacchaeus. It's for Mike Davis because, you know, that's, they're not going to pass to those other guys more often. I don't think that we've not seen any of them capable of stepping up, right? Gage is nothing more than a wide receiver's three. Zacchaeus is nothing more than a deep threat. Mike Davis will actually get see the increased volume more likely than anyone else other than maybe Kyle Pitts, but it's between those two. It's not going to be any of the receivers, and I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to bet that it's going to be 
Mike Davis that gives that extra volume. Well, here's here's my thing about Mike Davis. He's definitely in line for the volume. There's there's nobody on that depth chart that scares you, like you said. The the plus side about Kyle Pitts wasn't necessarily about the targets. It meant to me that they're definitely going to be playing a lot of two tight end sets, which mm-hmm. is going to help out that offensive line, help out Arthur Smith, help out the running game. I have Mike Davis on my undervalued list as well. He's fourth on my undervalued list because I have him ranked at 21. The ADP's at 29. He is going to be a, a at least a bottom-level RB2, a guy that you're going to be able to plug and play and know exactly what you're going to be able to get out of every single week because while he's a journeyman, he is a running back who is good in the red zone and can actually catch the ball even for his size. He's always been trusted in that as well. So he's going to be able to do a little bit of everything. Here's my one caveat for Mike Davis. I'm good with you drafting him and stealing him with the value that he's at and taking him as an RB2. But I would have it in the back of my mind that I will be looking to sell him at some point during this season because here's the one thing about Mike Davis. He's a veteran journeyman. We saw it last year when he was given a heavy workload. He started to wear down towards the end of the season. And with him not already not being a big explosive running back, when he wears down at the end of the season again, you're not getting a whole lot. You're hoping he falls into the end zone. You're hoping he gets three to four, five targets in that game to kind of boost his, his area. That's what you're hoping for. So with Mike Davis, I'm taking him. I do think he's a value. I think you can plug and play him as a low-end RB2, but I will look to sell him before we get to the playoff stretch, most likely just to avoid that little snap through. So I will say that, but he is an undervalued player as of this moment. I think we can finally bring Chris in. <laughs> hey, fellas. How you doing? Only a half hour late. Only. <laughs> Fashionably late, as always. Um, so we're only we're only two guys in, so that means we can just kind of uh, get you caught up here. Um, so I, I hope you're ready. <laughs> I, heard, I heard the Mike Davis stuff. I definitely I tend to agree with what Dan was saying about the selling early when you know buy buy early yeah. then sell early. Absolutely. All right. So how are you? How are you feeling about Chase Edmonds? You're high on him, huh? Yeah, I'm extremely high on Chase Edmonds. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of doubting his ability to be a, you know a, a full um, bell cow back in a sense, but we saw Kenyon Dre kind of be the you know dominant number one back. They saw James Conner in the offseason this year, and even with all that last year with Drake, you know, getting the opportunity to be the bell cow and Conner kind of the competition, I think we saw Drake have the more carries that Conner will ever probably get. Um, and Edmund still finished 62% of the time in the RB3 or higher. Um, that was with basically getting most of the time 10, carry, 10 carries or less. He, he made up a lot in receptions. He's part be part of the passing game. He's explosive. So I think this year, if you get to all the 15 rushes and you get the three to five catches, you're going to look at a, you know, a borderline RB2 player here where you can get right now around round seven or eight. Yeah, to your point, uh, Edmonds is not on my list. But what I will say is that Kenyon Drake and Edmonds had a bit more overlap, whereas uh, I, I think Connor now, they're actually a, a pretty good fit together. Those are actually two backs that I, I think will mesh well. And I think that will open things up uh, for for Edmonds a little bit more than he had in the past. I also think you know Kenyon Drake was was more firmly ahead of him, whereas I think in this instance, either Edmonds will be ahead or this is going to be a 50-50 split. Yeah, I tend to agree. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say, I like Edmonds a lot. The upside is certainly there. 
Uh, just to give everybody an update on his ADP. His ADP has been rising a little bit. He's up to ADP uh, 24 running back-wise, 59 overall. So that puts him in the fifth, sixth round territory as far as overall goes. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. The upside's there because we know James Conner, one, gets banged up. And we know, two, Edmonds will be the more explosive guy. He will be the guy catching the football. So he'll get the more high-value plays. The only thing that bothers me about Edmonds is that he has to deal with Murray and, while he's healthy, deal with Conner when it comes to those goal-line touchdowns. I don't know how many touchdowns he gets unless Conner was to get hurt early. It's my only drawback with him. I actually His ADP rose up to 24. I have him ranked at RB 26. So while I like the player, I am a little bit lower than the ADP on him as it stands right now. But I definitely recognize the pathway. I'm glad he's going to get, maybe get, an opportunity to show that he can be a pretty good running back. But I don't think he's going to be in a position to really make James Conner obsolete at any point this season, barring injury. So that's why I'm kind of a little bit more cautious on him when I go to rank him. But the pathway, the upside is certainly there given the right circumstances. Well, he was RB28 last year with all the things we just talked about with Kenyon Drake and basically getting paid $10 million to be the bell cow back. So I think this year, James Conner didn't get nearly the contract. They don't nearly the investment. They were trying to you know, prove that Drake was worth that money. Conner doesn't really have that same opportunity. Um, and I think from everything I'm here, Conner's already kind of banged up as it is. This guy gets injured constantly. He's been had this basically the last two seasons. He's been you know, on the IR, on and off the IR. That's why Benny still got opportunities in Pittsburgh. That's why Pittsburgh moved on from running back in a lot of, a lot of reasons. So I think when you look at Chase Edmonds, you're not looking for a guy who's going to get 30 touches, but you're looking for a guy who gets you 15 to 17 touches. And because of his explosiveness, because of the offense, and because he's involved in the passing game so much, and 53 catches last year and four touchdowns receiving. So he can make up for it in other ways. And I think you look at a guy who has a lot of upside. And for a guy who's going, you know, you said, you know, RB24, I think it was 50, 59, I think they had him at, um, you know, getting these guys in the sixth round, seventh round right now. It's something that you can't basically for me is a great value. And I, to me, I, I don't think he should be slipping that far. No, he, he's good, solid value. I don't disagree with anything you said. Here's the only caveat I'm going to throw in there. Look at the running backs and where they finished last year. Running back in general last year was decimated between injuries and just disappointing play. So I think you're going to see better play out of the running backs in general in just the NFL across the board, which is why I don't think Vernon Chase Edmonds in his situation, why I don't necessarily have him out way outperforming where he finished last year, even though he is in a better situation for himself. I can understand that. Yeah. So, so you know, Running back as a position last season was a bit inconsistent, but let's let's talk about Mr. Consistent himself, Brandon Cooks, who has 
you know, just been a thousand yard receiving machine in three, four organizations now, um, just all around has been a model of consistency. And for Chris is his second most undervalued guy in half point PPR. Yeah, I mean, I look at Brandon Cooks and they have his receiver 41 right now. They have him basically going around ninth, 10th round. Um, the guy finished 15th in receivers last year. So, I mean, I understand you talk about the depressed market of statistics last year and guys being disappointments, but we're not guaranteed that they won't be disappointments this year. So, I think when you look at Brandon Cooks, a guy who's going to fall from 15 all the way to 41, yeah, I understand Deshaun Watson is the quarterback, but Will Fuller is also not there. So, he's not having the same amount of mouths to feed. The opportunities are looking to be there. This Texans team is going to be horrible. They're going to be playing a lot of games where they have to basically come back at the end, a lot of garbage time points. So, I think Brandon Cooks being at 41, receiver 41 is his. This is kind of this is kind of crazy to me because some of the other guys they have in receiver threes are going before Brandon Cooks is right now. Michael Gallup's going before Brandon Cooks is. So for me, this is a guy that you just can't you know have slipped down the board so far. And it's, I understand the quarterback situation is scary, but you can't be that scared when this guy has so much talent and it has been as Adam pointed out, this consistent. Yeah, and and even then, so to, even if Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback, we should. To me, that's what it seems to be. Everything seems to be pointing to, but you never know. Um, but even if he's not, then it's Tyrod Taylor's next up, right? And Tyrod Taylor, while he's not someone who I, I don't want to touch, whoever his wide receiver two or three or tight end one is, he's been all right at maintaining one guy's fantasy value. And on Houston, who has a team that has more or less one weapon that's anything more than above average. Brandon Cooks is that guy. He's going to be the one guy that's maintained by really whoever the quarterback is. Um, So I I think he's in line to have a season very similar to what we're seeing. We're used to seeing from Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, regardless of who's a quarterback. And I, I think Chris, you make an excellent point. This is going to be a team that's playing in garbage time quite a bit. And they're going to be doing it against um, some defenses, quite frankly, outside of Indianapolis that aren't that great in the AFC South. Absolutely. So I've used to think this about Brandon Cooks. I've actually kind of had a change of heart when it comes to Brandon Cooks and the Houston Texan offense a little bit, actually. Uh, I tend to agree with you on the he's going to get targeted. Tyrod has maintained one wide receiver before we saw Sammy Watkins be, you know, fantasy relevant with Tyrod Taylor. But, and I have him slotted for a lot of targets. The mixture of David Colley and Tim Kelly and what Tyrod has become in the latter half of his career has now led me down to the path of he's his ADP's wide receiver 41. I actually have him ranked at wide receiver 44. I don't want to touch Texans, period. If Deshaun Watson's not going to be the quarterback, this is going to be this is going to be a worse offense than we. It could potentially be a worse offense than what we saw in the Jets last year, when it, when it all starts to break down. And you know, if the Cooks is going to line up in the slot all the time, and you're playing half point and full point PPR, maybe he could be a Jamison Crowder. But that's that's his ceiling. His ceiling is wide receiver three. That's his absolute top end ceiling. So for me, I'm going to go in a different direction. Yeah, he'll have the floor of the targets. He'll be involved every single game. But what's his floor? Wide receiver four, when you really break it down, are the Texans really going to throw that much more than 3,000 yards this season without Deshaun Watson? That could be up in the air. So I don't think I'm actually out on Brandon Cooks. I'm out on this offense in general. Uh, I think you can have a lot of better options. And I think his ADP is correct. 
I mean, I remember Calvin Johnson was played for a team that went 0-16, and, and he's still one of the most dominant receivers. So when it comes to receiver position, I can understand your concerns with a team that's atrocious when it's the running backs and maybe not investing in the running back position. Brandon Cooks but can't so, lick Calvin Johnson's jack jockstrap, so I don't – yeah, oh, I'm kind of out on On the flip side, I'm sorry, James Crowder <laughs> can't lick Brandon Cooks's jockstrap either. So James <laughs> Crowder that, can't I would disagree with that. Cooks. I would disagree with that. Brandon that's Cooks fine, is a better receiver. I, I They're think not that far apart. I wouldn't disagree with Mm, I think Brandon Cooks is definitely considerably better and more talented. The gap between Brandon Cooks and Calvin Johnson is a hell of a lot higher than the gap between okay. James Crowder and Brandon Cooks. My point being, point. so my point being that receivers have been good on shitty teams before, or that has been happened. That has that has been in a situation. Running backs, you, you can be concerned about, but to sit there and be like, we can't take touch to anybody on the Texas offense. You're basically just giving somebody a free receiver because there's going to be somebody who's going to produce. There's going to be a receiver that does something on the team. And comparing them to the Jets is a little bit hard because their Jets receivers were all banged up last year. So even though Jets offense stunk, you put some of those guys together and if Brandon Cooks plays all 16 games and he has been consistent over the last five, six years, then he's opportunity to finish way higher than receiver 41. He finished receiver 15 last year, sharing targets with Will Fuller and you talk about Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly was there last year, so I do know what Tim Kelly's going to do. Now you can have a concern about David Coley, whether he's not he's going really? to be more run oriented. But they ran the ball pretty much off the, pretty often last year, so I don't necessarily understand. Do we know what Tim Kelly's going to do without Deshaun Watson. That that's more my point here. I, I well, does, he's does, does Sean... have to throw the ball at some point. We're not playing rugby, so he's going to have to throw the ball at some point. I'm guessing. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And then I looked at all these bad teams last year who would need to come back from behind. I looked at these other teams that Tyrod himself was on that need to come back from behind. He doesn't throw the ball more than 35 times. That's his peak. He His average is 28 times. It doesn't matter what team he's been on. It, David Culley is going to make this a run-first team. They've made that clear from the get-go. And even though you would think in, in bad situations, look at the worst teams in the league last year. It didn't matter. They still didn't throw the ball a ton. Because they're just that bad. Brandon Cooks could be a solid wide receiver three, but that's his absolute ceiling. And I'm telling you right now, that's your absolute ceiling. I'm going to take my shot elsewhere. Okay, well, I think at 40, receiver 41 going between the 10th and 11th round after a lot of teams' third receivers, I don't think that necessarily I'm passing on Brandon Cooks, and I do think he has a lot of value. I have him just over 900 yards and six touchdowns. I, I don't even have him breaking 1,000 yards this season. There's no well, upside that's... there. There, I, I would bet you anything. He does not eclipse wide receiver twenty. I would bet you anything. As long and with the caveat that Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson plays, this all goes out the window. I, I thought this show was undervaluing team. people. I didn't realize it was like I have to go from forty-one to the top twenty. I, I'm saying that well, he's just, undervalued. He well, where do you want it? He was top fifteen. He was top fifteen last year. Okay. That's what where I'm stating. With, with Will finished... Fuller still on targets for, with him from him where, where, and where a guy who was heavily involved. At least in the top 20, top 30, at least top 25, top 25, top 30. Definitely better than top 41. That I that I'll bet money on. Definitely better than 41. Definitely better than a lot of receivers who will get drafted before 11th we'd round. To, we'd have to, we'd have to split will. the difference. We'd have to split the and difference. I best, and definitely better than Jameson Crowder did last year. That I'll guarantee. I'll bet money on anything. It's definitely <laughs> better than Jameson Crowder did last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the argument is there. Jameson Crowder only played, I think, twelve games last year, so not much of an argument. Well, you're probably want to you want to tell me who he's going to be next year because you compare him to the Jets' offense on a, on a per game basis. On a per game basis, if he plays a slot, that's the best he could be. And Jameson Crowder last year, actually, even with his, you know, only eight was horrible. No, I, I'm sorry, I I looked at the wrong thing. Hold on one second, but I if James Crowder still finished as wide receiver thirty nine last year in his twelve games. 
So I actually oh. no, I, he might not do better. So than they, James they you're making my, making my point then because he's he's got it in forty one still, and he's definitely going to finish better. Than First James of all, calm, cool your brakes. Number one, you're getting a little too excited. Number two, I'll bet you he does not get over wide receiver thirty. You want to split the difference? Okay, I'll definitely bet that. Okay, we'll we'll figure out what that bet is going to be, and then we'll get back to everybody on the show. Go ahead, Adam. All right. Um, well, we can move on to uh, Dan, your uh, third most undervalued guy in Robert Woods, whose ADP is 19. Yeah, I haven't ranked at wide receiver 10. I mean, look, I think this Cam Makers news actually even helped Robert Woods a little bit. Again, like I said, I think they're going to throw the they're going to be set to throw the ball a little bit more than what I even had him statted out to before the news of the injury, but. Matthew Stavers is an upgraded quarterback. Robert Woods is a great wide receiver. I have him set out to having a really nice season. The difference with Robert Woods going now with Matthew Stafford compared to what he was with Jared Goff is that I think he's going to be more in a position now to actually out-touchdown Cooper Cup, which hasn't really been the case up until this point. Goff's, Cooper Cup has been Goff's guy when it comes to the red zone. That We might see that flip. So now if you're going to tell me that Woods is going to get more of the touchdowns and he's going to be the number one target, I think there's a real chance. We're talking about Robert Woods as a low-end wide receiver one here. His ADP is 19. To me, he is a surefire mid to high-level wide receiver two with top 12 potential. I'll Give me Robert Woods all day, every day with this offense with Matthew Stafford moving forward. I think people really sleep on how good they can really be now, how much of an upgrade he is. Yeah, he, Matthew Stafford is absolutely a massive upgrade for for the offense. And, and uh, I think the Cam Akers move, like you said, unfortunately, this is something that Woods is going to be a beneficiary from. Um, regardless of who, even if it is two guys, regardless of who they add, they are still going to pass, have to pass a little bit more because, you know, Adrian Peterson isn't moving the needle for me. Um, Todd Gurley is not moving the needle for me. Sonia Michelle, Duke Johnson, they're not moving the needle for me. And it, actually, both of those guys make me want to pass more, if anything, if I want to utilize those guys. So, I think you're right. I think they're going to pass more after this Cam Akers injury. And even before that, um, before that, Robert Woods is a value. He's just someone who I feel like for his entire career has been treated as by the media and by, you know, other fantasy managers as someone who's a, an above average receiver, like pretty good, but not great. But he is an actual great receiver right now. who's never had double-digit touchdowns ever. Hopefully, maybe this year it'll change. You're still wide receiver 19, even without the double-digit touchdowns, with Jared Goff, with an offense in general. I kind of disappointed last year. It's, it's, it's the upgrade of Matthew Stafford. That's what you're kind of banking on here, and that, that's what I'm at least banking on. That's why I think he could be a low-end wide receiver one and be a steal at his current ADP. Well, he was six touchdowns last year. That, that tied his career high. Um, so, I mean, I think that maybe the leap will happen, but I don't know if the volume is going to still increase that much for him. We had definitely not never had a quarterback as good as Matthew Stafford. No, but Jared Goff's had some good years and he had 90 catches last year. So I don't know if he'll have more volume necessarily. Well, I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily definitely have more volume. I mean, I think the Rams in general might pass a little bit more as a team. So he might get more volume off of that. The difference for me is going to be, he's going to get more red zone targets because it's not going to be an automatic read to Cooper cup. Like it had been with Jared Goff. 
Yeah, I think Matthew Stafford will probably be a little bit better at, at going off schedule and at going past his you know second read um, and then Goff had been, which which definitely would would favor Woods a little bit here. For the sake of time, we can move on to Zach Wilson, who I had as my third guy um, at the quarterback position. We talked about the value uh, with Dan that Jameis Winston has, which is just outrageous. Um, but Zach Wilson's pretty similar, guys. He's going at uh, QB 28. Um, he's going behind guys like Cam Newton, who I don't think any of us are certain is starting past week four, like at the latest. Um, he's going behind Daniel Jones. He's going behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going behind Trey Lance um, in, in standard and in, um, in redraft. So I think go behind Justin Fields. Yeah. And this is Zach Wilson. I feel very confident is starting week one. If by somehow that's not the case, which I'm, I would put money on that, that he is, but if somehow he doesn't, it's week two at the latest. Uh, and when he gets there, he's got, you know, maybe not any elite receivers, but he's got at least three, if not four guys that are very solid. Um, he's, Solid weapons and a defense that Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. BetFred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the BetFred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Not great. This is a team that has the ability and has the coaching framework to pass a lot. So even if the team as a whole is not great, I think Zach Wilson's going to put up numbers. And as on this show, um, Chris especially, but all of us have been made, made sure to mention Zach Wilson is willing to run. Um, the, the, I feel like there, and all of us feel like there's been this narrative that he won't. Um, I think Zach Wilson is a guy that's going to use his legs a little bit. He's not going to be Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be Kyler Murray, but you know, he might be, I don't know, Dak Prescott, maybe that might be close to the ceiling, but he could be around there or a little bit less. And even that is, I mean, those are pretty good numbers, even if it's just a, you know, low 20s touchdown type of season, which is about what you expect for a rookie that's playing all season. Yeah, I mean, he ran more than Trevor Lawrence did in college, and I think people kind of have that narrative that Zach Wilson is just going to sit there and sit in the pocket a lot. This, this offense is going to be moving the pocket. They're going to be having him rolling out. So I do think he's got an opportunity to have use his legs, have a nice little floor as a result. And we saw Joe Burrow having, you know, an okay surrounding cast last year and pretty do pretty well coming off the bat and you know, not have a great offensive line, not a great defense, and you kind of saw how that added up while he was healthy out there. So I agree with you, Adam. I think Zach Wilson has a lot of upside. I think we're just kind of sleeping on him. 
And even then, uh, you just mentioned it. Uh, he had a bad offensive line. Zach Wilson, at the very least, he's got Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. Now, the rest of that offensive line may be mediocre at best, but he's got two young offensive linemen that they're gonna he's gonna grow with, and they're they're both very talented. Makai Becton already has a year in the league. We know that he's a solid left tackle, um, and those two are going to secure at least one side of that offensive line for him. And I, I think for a guy that is mobile, that's enough. It's not ideal by any means, but he can be productive with what he has in the offensive line. Absolutely. And I think the weapons he has fits him really, really well. I think um, uh, Mims, for instance, I, I think he's going to be a, a good little jump ball receiver for him. Agreed. And they got some like, got, got a lot of depth at the receiver position to also. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of who they sl- start in the slot, whether that is uh, Crowder or it is Elijah Moore, um, I, I, I think they'll have he'll have a productive check down option. Um, Michael Carter, who is someone we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, um, he's going to be hopefully great at the running back position and someone who can potentially add to that as a check down option. And then obviously uh, Davis and, and Denzel Mims um, rounding out their weapons. All right. So we can move on to Robert Tanyan at tight end, who I believe, what is he? He's in the low teens, correct? 16 right now. Tight end 16. Mid teens. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how, how undervalued is he or, or what, where, where's your, your reasoning here? Well, I mean, this is, more so if Aaron Rodgers is playing, of course. Um, you know, we haven't mm-hmm. really changed where we put look at how we're you know projecting Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones yet. And with that in mind, Robert Tanya was a third leading scoring tight end last year. Um, so for him to fall all the way to tight end sixteen in this year, I'm not for basically running back to the same offense, they didn't upgrade really at the receiver position. So he's still gonna be one of the primary red zone threats. He was coming he's an up and coming tight end for the team. This is his third year coming in. Um, he did not go to share Tom that he did kind of early in the year when they're trying to get Stenberger more involved. That basically that ship sailed. So I look at a guy who has more upside than he had last year in a lot of ways. And now he's going down tight end 16 when I said like he finished tight end three last year. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are almost knocking him for getting a lot of touchdowns. They're thinking that the, the regression is bound to happen, which I admit to an extent it is. It has to. But yeah, 11 is probably not going to happen. But how much does a fall to, say, seven hurt? Um, Obviously, it hurts. But with another season in that offense, his other numbers could very well improve. Um, I I think he was someone that, you know, he had a a slow start, at least the beginning of the year. He he wasn't someone who really, I feel like, picked up until weeks like three to five, somewhere in that range, um, as Aaron Rodgers was starting to get going. So I would agree. I think, you know, if, and, you know, it is an if at this point, if Aaron Rodgers is back, I, I think people are, once again, I think that a regression of touchdowns is coming, but I think people are overreacting to how much that is going to hurt Tanya. He is definitely someone who I wouldn't firmly put him as a tight end one, but he's one of those first guys where I'm willing to take my shot on after that. Cause I feel like after your tight end one, after you filled your, your, starting slot at tight end. I feel like you're trying to take a shot on someone with potential 
And I, I would say Aaron Rodgers' tight end fills that uh, pretty nicely. Yeah, I mean, I have him ranked tight end 11, so I'm ahead than the ADP is on Robert Tunyon as well. Look, with tight ends, any tight end from eight on, it's going to be a streaming on a week-to-week basis. It's not somebody you're always going to want to have to plug and play anyway. I mean, even Tunyon last year with the 11 touchdowns, it still was somebody who was feast or famine if you got into the end zone. You didn't have Alan Lazard. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not crazy about the Green Bay Packers second wide receiver options or anything like that. But there are some bodies that will be back in place. The touchdown regression has to go down. He had the number one touchdown rate last season. That's not going to hold up again, I believe, this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw 48 touchdowns again this year. We're going to regression on that side of things as well. So they kind of go hand in hand. But I do have him as a guy who should be in that top 12 conversation because he's still going to be a nice red zone threat for them to have. He's still going to be on the field all the time because he can block. So I do like Tunyon as a potential top 12 tight end. Yeah. So with that, we can move on. Um, Dan, to let's move on to DJ Chark, whose ADP is 31. Yeah, everybody's seemed like they want to just write off DJ Chark, and I feel like it's all based off of one comment Urban Meyer made one time <laughs> about watching his film and saying, we need you to be you know, more aggressive and more physical over the middle. And because of that one comment one time, apparently DJ Chark's in the doghouse for a lifetime, and Marvin Jones is there to take his job, and LaVisca Chenault's there to be the number one wide receiver. No. Look, we've seen DJ Chark break out. He was banged up most of last season, not to mention the travesty of litany of quarterbacks they tried to roll out last season. On top of it, Trevor Lawrence definitely an improvement on top of that. Uh, DJ Chark is infinitely more athletic and, at this point, more talented than a Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones came in there to be a nice piece on the other side, so they actually have a three-pronged receiver attack because they're most going to be in three receiver sets come this season. But DJ Chark is still playing the X wide receiver. DJ Chark is still going to be the first read. DJ Chark still has the ability to, once again, be a very explosive athletic player I don't know exactly where we're going to get out of the Urban Meyer, Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer offense as far as the mixture goes, but I got DJ Chark ranked as wide receiver 23. This is a team that's going to have a high volume passing by the end of the season. I believe I have him going well over 600 attempts in a 17-game season, and I have Chark being the number one read off of that. He didn't just fall off a cliff because he got a bum ankle with a bum quarterbacks all last season. I don't know where people are getting off at this. He's a good receiver with a good pathway. I like that his ADP is 31. I'd rather draft him there and then go for the upside that he comes with that. But I have him ranked at wide receiver 23, and I think he's an undervalue if you're just banking on him to being a mid-level wide receiver three. I think this guy's at least a low-end wide receiver two with some upside. Yeah, I would have to agree for, you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier, um, the AFC South um, outside of Indianapolis. It's not a lot of great defenses, so he's at least got that going for him. The Jags are going to be playing from behind. Uh, Lawrence is a massive upgrade at the quarterback position. Um, and honestly, overall, this offense should be pretty solid. Um, the defensive side of the ball, uh, there's a lot of question marks for me. But I, I think that these, this is an offense that could very well get going. And I, I think he's going to be the one that, that moves that. Uh, Chenault has been getting a ton of hype this offseason. Um and, and, you know, uh, so have some of the other players on the team. But I, I think Chark is just kind of getting lost in the shuffle, and he shouldn't be. He's a talented receiver. I would 
I would have to agree at the, if not a top end wide receiver three, I, I could absolutely see the uh, the bottom wide receiver two. And there's upside because th- this is a team that I, I would I can absolutely see having a high passing volume this season. Yeah, I think he's clearly receiver three. I don't think the volume's going to increase. They were one of the top five passing teams last year. I know he was injured, but I, I don't think that all of a sudden they're going to start throwing the ball with the coaching staff that they have in place right now so much more. Trevor Lawrence is infinitely better than the quarterbacks they had last year, and him being injured is a big deal. Uh, So even if they throw the ball the same amount of times as last year, I think you're going to see a hell of a lot higher completion percentage. I mean, the year before his his, his best year, his breakout year, he had 1,000 yards, a little bit over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. I think that's what your ceiling would be for DJ Shark, what you're hoping to get from him. So that to me, that's... That's that's about what I have him ranked at, too. Yeah, like receiver three. No, I have him ranked as bottom end receiver two. That's he finishes as bottom end receiver two that year. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Next. Regardless, <laughs> the, the, the stats are different a couple of years ago. So moving on, Damian Harris is someone that uh, Chris, both you and I have um, on our, our rankings. Um, I think a lot of people, and this is something I believe we talked about last show, a lot of people are just off on Patriots running backs after years and years of them, them you know, getting switched out. And I can't blame people. You know, I, I've been someone who have, has for years now been on the wavelength of, I want to own James White and absolutely nobody else. And that's only in PPR. Um, but, but Damian Harris might finally be that guy for – for no other reason than I think they're ready to give up on Sony Michelle. Damon Harris proved that he can be that guy. And James White's not going to take carries. So it's really just Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, unless Sony Michelle just finally makes the break that, you know, that we all thought he could coming out of Georgia. Uh, but unless that, that happens, which remains to be seen, I think this is Damian Harris's, uh, I think this is his running back. Yeah, I mean, everything that's coming out of New England, basically Damian Harris is definitely the top dog in the backfield. Um, there are questions with him. Michelle will you know, still be on the team. Will he get traded? Will he get cut? You know, the, the people are talking about just Stevenson, but more than likely he'll probably get redshirted like most of the running backs have their, their first year in New England. Um, so the only competition you really have is James White, who's another year older, who's becoming less involved in kind of the offense in general. And, you know, the guy averaged five yards per carry last year, very solid running back. Um, he basically was from week four to 14, which is the only, he didn't play the first four weeks and he didn't play the last couple of weeks. So for four to 14, he was in a top 25 running back. Um, so for me, this guy is going to probably be even more involved and he was sharing carries with Sonny Michelle in between some of those games. So if Sonny Michelle kind of goes away and Damian Harris has his backfield for himself, you know, I think that the opportunity is definitely there. And I, the worst case scenario is Sonny Michelle, you know, year that he had a couple of years ago where he got over 1,000 yards, had about seven, eight touchdowns, and wasn't involved in the passing game. Um, best case scenario to me is that he gets a little bit involved in more in the passing game, and he's able to have some more statistics and has more yards per carry, more explosive player. And I think that you have a, a guy, you know, guy who can be RB3 easy for you. Yeah, and, and this is on me. I, I should have um, – I should have started this off with this but uh damian harris right now is going at at least this is what the adp i had him at uh, 32 which yep. uh, for a guy who should like we have all said lead his backfield 
Um, you know, even if uh, I think James White is due um, to get at least increased targets under Mac Jones, assuming Mac Jones gets the job early, I think he'll get thrown the ball a little bit more than uh, than Cam Newton um, and the other New England quarterbacks did last year. But even then, I don't. Again, I don't think James White is in for this huge breakout year. I just think he's going to get a, a moderate increase over last year. And that leaves plenty of room for Damian Harris, um, even with Sony Michelle, but especially without him. Yeah, like I got to rank. I was gonna, I was going to rank that running back thirty. His ADP is RB thirty two, but that's more at his floor. The second Sony Michelle gets cut, uh, his his running care, his rushing share goes up from there. So I, I have room for Damian Harris to kind of be more of a top end RB three. It just it's hard for him not to be a a, a low end RB two without getting a little more work in that passing game. And we saw it last year. I thought maybe with no Tom Brady. They would James White would maybe take a step aside as far as always having a third down back, but that still didn't want to be in the case, even though they threw the running back way less. They threw the ball in general way less. It was still pretty much all James White show. So until that changes, I don't think Harris can quite be an RB2, but I think he can be a high in RB3 and a guy you can plug in your flex and know what you're going to get out of every single week. Yeah, yeah like uh, I but- said. Oh, I was going to say, here's a thought. Do we think uh, Damian Harris sees a benefit from, uh, just like James White, from the switch to Mac Jones, especially in the sense of getting more options uh, or more looks, rather, at the goal line? Cam Newton last year had 12 rushing touchdowns. This is a big reason that he was fantasy relevant at all because it certainly wasn't his passing. Um, but those 12 rush towns, rushing touchdowns, those 600, um, just under 600 rushing yards, um, I think Damian Harris is the primary person to take those. You know, maybe Ramondre Stevenson gets a couple goal line looks, but James White's not. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think Damian Harris could could add a couple touchdowns, even if the receiving volume doesn't dramatically increase. Yeah, I, I definitely think with the touchdowns, there's a chance for that. But Mac Jones doesn't really change when it comes down to the passing numbers. So mm-hmm. with with Harris, you're still banking on touchdown yard, rushing yards predominantly for him to be able to get his value. So that's kind of what I come back to. Or just there's still just a cap on that ceiling. And Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the BetFred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. There's also this aspect of it. Once you think you figured out the Patriots running back field, they throw you some curveball, and then you're totally back up to square one. So I don't think that should happen this year, but there's definitely room for that as well, too. So that's why with Damon Harris, I'm not going to have him more than an RB3, but he might be more of a high in RB3 than the mid-level area where I have him at right now, depending on what happens in training camp. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't bank on him being an outright RB1 or anything crazy, but I, I feel very good about his value where it sits right now. Yeah. Moving, moving on from Harris, um, I think that brings us to a halfway point, which is a, a good time for us to bring up the Belly Up Fantasy Bowl. We can. Do we have the graphic? Yes. You think you're the best at best ball? We'll take on some of the top analysts in the industry while playing for charity when you sign up for the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Belly Up Charity Bowl Tournament. This mega tournament will have 204 teams over 17 different leagues, each named after a childhood cancer hero. An over $2,000 donation will be made to the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation help fight against childhood cancer all you have to do is sign up with a $20 entry fee which will allow you to play for big money first place is $1,200 plus $100 value from trophy snack second place $400 if you win your league you win your $20 back sign up today when you when you go to bellyupfantasysports.com slash belly slash up slash well done yeah we're, we're definitely kicking off and we're getting a lot of signups and we're actually filling up some of the leagues right now as we speak and getting them ready to get drafted so yeah come on hang out it's for a great cause and we'll, we're gonna have a great time with it all all throughout the season with updates and uh we'll have some guys on the show and stuff like that so it's gonna work out really well yeah i'm really excited to be a part of it and I, you know i know a lot of the, the belly up guys um are as well um, it's going to be a great time. You should definitely join us. And that brings us, like I said, that that's our good uh, halfway point. So we're, we can kind of switch up the order here. We can go, Chris, to you with Michael – sorry, Tua Tag- Tagovailoa, uh, the Miami Dolphins quarterback. The tongue twister quarterback. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, I, I think there's a narrative that two is, you know, basically already a bust after last year. Um, people seem to just be, you know, dying to trade him out of Miami, dying to get rid of him for some reason. I think the opposite's going to happen this year. I think he's fully healthy, which is a big thing from coming off major hip surgery last year. So I think he'll be more using his legs, which we kind of saw as the season progressed. He started using his legs more often. He has definite upgraded receivers, adding Will Fuller to the mix, Allen adding his former teammate Jalen Waddle to the mix. You know, the Miami Dolphins have a, a pretty nice you know, depth at receiver position and actually have some guys who could attack all levels of the field with him. And they're becoming more to a friendly offense in a lot of ways. That basically was been the MO of what they did for the offseason. They wanted to make sure that the coaching staff and everything kind of designed around the upgrades and their talent on offense was all designed to try to help enhance to his game. They haven't really added anything different in the running back. So this is a team that hasn't had a, a running back rush for over 350 yards. I think it's five or six seasons now. Um, so you're not literally worried about the, th- the running games, you know, kind of becoming the run dominant team. And therefore, it's going to be kind of on two of his shoulders. So the opportunity for the passing yards is going to be with the weapons he has. And like I said, now that he's healthy, he can be able to utilize his legs more often. And there's a reason that people wanted, you know, the Dolphins to tank for two of And that was a big chance a couple of years ago. I wouldn't jump off the boat. I wouldn't jump off the, um, you know, the bandwagon right, right off the bat. I think people are kind of just underestimating him. And I think that already with the ADP, basically he, they think that he's going to be, you know, a, a, a borderline undraftable quarterback. 
Um, I think that he has opportunity to really show some people up, and I think that he has opportunity has nice floor for him as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll He's here. somewhat. Oh, you go. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I I must be on a delay or something like that. Um, no, look, two attack level, kind of like we talked about with Zach Wilson. I have both these guys ranked ahead of their ADPs. I think they're better than what people are drafting them at. But here's my one thing: ultimately, these are not two guys that you should really be drafting in your redraft leagues. Are they going to be streaming quarterbacks at some point? Yeah, I think they definitely will. I got two coming in at, at QB eighteen. But the difference between my QB 18 and my QB 14 is literally one passing touchdown. One extra passing touchdown to it becomes my QB 13. Now, that's how close it is right now with that cluster right there. Chris, I agree with you. I think Tua is a franchise quarterback. I think that hip injury bothered more people thought. I think he came in with the mindset that he had to be a game manager, not lose the game rather than win the game. Everything, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Everything with Tua has screamed, be aggressive, be aggressive be aggressive, go vertical. The, that The Miami coaching staff has been consistent on that one thing, that they want Tua to be more aggressive next season. I love it for the wide receivers, what that could possibly mean for them, but it also means Tua is going to be a guy for DFS purposes, for streaming purposes. He's going to be good. He's definitely going to be better than the QB 22 that his ADP has him set at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was Oh, I, I was going to say that that's exactly what I was going to say, Dan. Maybe Adam's uh, on the delay. The, yeah, it probably is. I'm the one on the hot spot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just wanted to, with him coming out for uh, Fitzpatrick, like you guys have said, I, I that has to just be so much on the mental. And you're just trying not to lose. You're trying not to look bad. You're trying not to go back to the bench. You don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in and and have to bail you out at the end of the game. And, and I just think that that has kind of, uh, you know, mentally was in the back of his mind all last season. Now he's not going to have that with Jacoby Brissett. And, and I, I think that will do wonders. And like you guys have said, uh, Miami does seem to be not only allowing him to be more aggressive, but outright encouraging it this offseason. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, from week 7 to 17 last week, last year, I'm sorry, uh, he was QB 21. And so having QB 22 with the upgrades at receiver and I think the second year in under his belt, to me, is where I feel like the undervaluing is happening. Yeah, absolutely. And to cap it off, I feel like last year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he was relatively um, outside of the the one game where he did incredibly well. uh, He was – pretty consistent um and, and while i think he'll be consistently better i do think he will stay someone that week to week is a, a consistent guy you know whether that is uh 18 points or 22 points or whatever that ends up being i, I think whatever he ends up doing he'll be someone who's you know not a uh uh a, you know someone who wins your week one week or is a dud the other like how for instance cam newton was last year um, moving on, we can move on to uh, Dan, Michael Thomas, who is ranked number nine. There's not a ton to go up from there. How is Michael Thomas doing it? Yeah, 
I, I debated if I wanted to put him on my undervalued list or not, but because I actually wound up ranking him in my top five, I ranked him as my wide receiver four and a half point PPR. I decided I'd put him on the undervalued list from ADP nine, which is what he stands at right now. Just to kind of reinforce my Jameis Winston on here, it reinforced really the Saints offense in general. I don't know why people that have this thing in their head, Drew Brees goes away and all of a sudden the Saints offense takes a step back. I don't know if people have been watching, but Drew Brees hasn't been Drew Brees for the past couple of seasons, this offense is going to take a step back from that. And I don't care who the quarterback is, if it's Jameis, if it's Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas is one of the few wide receivers in the NFL that you can say you might be getting double digit targets every single week. And, and without, without a doubt, because there's nobody else. Traquan Smith, I, can we all agree Traquan Smith is just a guy at this point? They don't really, they didn't really bring in anybody else. The only other guy I even worry about you know, besides Alvin Kamara, we might be Adam Troutman maybe taking some targets away. Like, that's what we're down to when it comes to Michael Thomas. So he's ADP 9, so he's still going as a wide receiver 1, but overall, you can pick him up in the third round right now. And I think that's an absolute steal. So with me ranking him at wide receiver 4, I'm telling you he's a bona fide second-round pick, and Michael Thomas is in store for, I guess, a surprising season in some people's eyes. I don't know why they think James Winston or Taysom Hill can't get one guy the ball. Yeah, I 100% agree. I have Michael Thomas on my list as well. I, I think Michael Thomas is clearly a top five receiver, if not a top three receiver this year. Um, I think that he's been one of the you know guys that we can kind of lean on year in, year out until last year. And the guy came off to had a lot of different difficulties going on last year. He got suspended. He was injured. So there's a lot of things that he had to kind of overcome that kind of lead to that horrible season last year. But to your point, the Saints have done a little upgrade offensively that's going to try to steal his touches or his opportunities away from him. They pay this man a lot of money, so they're going to give him the ball. They're going to try to involve him in the offense, definitely. And the quarterback position isn't going to be an issue where, like you pointed out, Drew Brees basically hasn't been Drew Brees for a couple of years. Not only has he been Drew Brees for a couple of years, James Winston can play quarterback and has guys receivers historically always involved. It's not like he's going to stop throwing to the outside. Whereas Taysom Hill, when Taysom Hill did play, Michael Thomas was still leading, you know, opportunity leading guy that he looked for in the offense. The guy who kind of more suffered was Alvin Kamara. So I don't understand how Michael Thomas is all of a sudden going to drop off the face of the earth in a sense or not be a receiver, clear receiver one or one of the top receivers out there when people are still kind of having DeAndre Hopkins, people like that up there. Michael Thomas is younger. He's been he's been more consistent for a more long period of time. So I think when it comes down to it, Michael Thomas is basically being forgotten about for a lot of reasons because of last year. Yeah, and I'm hearing people talk about Michael Thomas like, oh, Mr. King slant and trying to use that to knock him. I'm like, what happens when you have Jameis Winston who can actually throw the ball down the field? Do you think he's only going to catch slants? Do you think he's not going to be able to get down the field? Do you think he can't get separation down the field? Well, actually put in a position to be able to do that. He might actually get an element added to his game when Jameis Winston eventually takes over. Like, this is not a huge undervalue situation but just because i have him at top five i do have him a full round earlier than most people are having you go i feel very confident about michael thomas this season just doesn't seem like a lot of people are yeah to your point i, I think the qb change is honestly i i think it's a, a net even a because yeah at, yeah at worst it's a net even if not a benefit because you write you you add that element element to his game uh, Drew Brees might have been a better decision maker than either of the other quarterbacks and potentially a better passer all around still than uh, Taysom Hill. Um, but adding a, a more vertical element to his game, I think is going to be really interesting to him for him. I, I'm excited to see him break that label that you, you uh, that you mentioned of, of being that slant guy. Um, moving on from, from, uh, from him for time here 
Uh, we're going to move on to another Michael, but this time Michael Carter um, of the Jets, our, our second Jets player, I believe. Um, Chris, take it away here. Yeah, I think Michael Carter is going to be the, the biggest beneficiary of the Jets' backfield this year of the change of the coaching staff with the upgrades we talked about on offense, particularly at the quarterback position, the guy who's actually mobile. I think this is going to have all things that kind of lend Michael Carter opportunity to kind of break out as a rookie. I don't know. I, mean, I think that when you look at where he's going between the 10th and 11th round right now, to me, that's that's just way too far. We're going to have some other guys rated way ahead of him that, you know, I still kind of debate whether they're going to finish in the season. So I look at Michael Carter with nothing but upside. I'm not worried about Tevin Coleman. I'm not worried about Michael Perry Ryan. Um, I'm not worried about any of the other back, Ty Johnson. So there's a lot of debate whether they're going to be a running back committee by committee because, you know, the coaching staff comes from the, the Shanahan tree. We've had productive running backs under Shanahan. We had, you know, Devontae Freeman have one of the better, his better, you know, years, the better statistics with Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. So I'm not just worried. Michael Carter's not the quote unquote bell cow back. I think he's by far the most productive back in the Jets' backfield. I think that he'll be the one most involved in the passing game and there, and be an opportunity to actually take over as this number one clear running back one as the season progresses, if not before the season starts. Yeah, to your point, uh, I, I don't see him as a bell cow. He's not someone who's going to have 250 carries. But does that matter? Uh, I think he's going to be very efficient with his carries. Um, I, I think he's by far going to be the best talent at the running back position that the Jets have. Uh, and I think he'll, he could be pretty active in the receiving game, to be honest with you. Um, I, I Overall, yeah, I, I have to agree. Michael Carter is being undervalued at his RB. I have him as RB 34 for ADP. And that I just think that's a, a bit low. Um, he might get capped, like I said, because of um, his limited carries, but if he excels in the passing game, then maybe not. Maybe he could have um, not quite to the same extent, but one of those Alvin Kamara-type situations where he's not someone you ever expect to eclipse 1,000 yards. But since he's getting uh, being pretty productive as a receiver, you know he, he could still be a, a, towards a higher back. Um, I, I think people are, are shying away from him because there wasn't a lot of draft capital on him because he is a rookie. We haven't seen him play. Uh, North Carolina, he was an absolute stud. He's he's going to be the best running back on the Jets unless they add someone. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have a clearer role to success than someone like a Travis Etienne who's going ahead of him. So to me, Michael Carter is the guy that of this rookie running back thing that you want to really consider. But while a lot of people have situations where they have legitimate competition for some of the carries other than Najee Harris, um, I think that you look at you know, the situation in Denver. Well, I, like, I love Javante Williams. He does have a clear guy who has some talent with, Tevin, with Michael Gordon. I'm sorry, with Gordon. Melvin Gordon, who had a nice year last year, and was a top 10 running back. So I look at Tevin Coleman as a guy who hasn't been good for a couple of years now, has a hard time staying healthy. And other than that, I think there's little to no talent in that Jets backfield. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I like yeah. what Adam said. He's going to be efficient. I think he's going to be efficient with his touches. He might only get 180 carries, but he's still, still should be the lead receiver guy. He'll be efficient with that behind a, a, what I think is going to be a decent offensive line. I almost put him on my list, Chris. I, I didn't quite put him on there because I only have him technically three spots ahead of where ADP has him. I actually have him right behind Damian Harris, and that's only because I think he's just limited by the touches by the end of the season. Also need to see how good he is in the, in the goal line situations. I expect him to be good there, but we'll see how often the Jets are actually in scoring position. While I expect this offense to be better, I still don't think they're going to be top 15 in scoring necessarily. So those things kind of go hand in hand, but definitely a solid RB3 that you can get for an absolute steal because to your point, overall, you're looking at him going in a ninth round territory. If I can get an automatic RB3, an automatic flex play ninth round, that's a good value for him there. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Carter, I, I think we all agree is a, a pretty solid value pick. Um, you know, his, like we've all mentioned his upside could be a little capped um, unless he, he breaks out as a great uh, receiver. Then uh, then you kind of alluded to this one earlier on um, when, when we were talking about Michael Thomas, Adam Troutman is, is your next option currently going as the tight end 23 um and you have him ranked much higher yeah i I'm, i think i'm losing a little bit on the connection here but i, I know you're going to go with adam troutman it wasn't until i put this list together that i realized like oh apparently i'm pretty bullish on the saints offense in general here i didn't really i, I mean i knew that in my head but i didn't know you know when you go into static it out you realize just how bullish i wound up being i i have adam troutman ranked as my tight end nine I have him getting inside the top 10. His ADP is 23 right now. Nobody is, look, I thought Adam Troutman was going to be like one of the, you know, big sleeper tight ends of the summer that everybody was going to boost up because they were starting to in the spring. You were starting to hear that in the spring. And all of a sudden, I guess not. Everyone said, no, he's just a nothing tight end. Adam Troutman has a very good athletic profile, can be on the field at all times because he actually can block a little bit. He's not he's not a great blocker, but he's good enough to be on the field every situation out there. He is a big red zone threat, and we just talked about this a little bit with Michael Thomas. Outside of Thomas and Kamara, there's no clear set guy who's going to get those targets. We know James Winston, again, going back to James Winston being the starter, he throws his tight end the touchdowns. Cameron Brake was 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 relevant. Why? Because he, he was like the Robert Tunyon that year where he did nothing but catch touchdowns. Uh, Adam Troutman's a pretty good tight end. He's definitely going to be probably one of my guy, my key guys that I will die on that hill for at going the top 10 tight ends this year. ADP 23, just a steal in my book. Yeah, again, I think tight end is one of those positions where outside of tight end one, um, outside of those top 12 guys, you're just trying to uh, throw darts at the board and, and get a, a massive hit. Um, he, you're trying to get someone who who can supplant your RB your tight end one uh, to be honest with you because unless you got one of those top five or six guys I don't think your tight end one is set in stone 
Um, and he's someone who is well worth that dart throw if you can get as your tight end too. Um, similar to, uh, similar to uh, <laughs> Tanyan. I'll just throw this out there just for hot take value. Adam Troutman better than Kyle Pitts in 2021. Boom! Put it out there. We will, I'm sure, come back to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so moving on. Um, this is, it's just weird to say, I know for fantasy uh, purposes, this is true. And he is, I, I would actually have to agree that he is undervalued, but it's just boggles my mind that we, we have to say it. Chris, how, how in the world is Tom Brady still undervalued? I, I mean, I'm, I'm confused. The guy plays a Tory MCL, finished QB nine and this year, He's going to be just borderline top, you know, borderline QB one basically in the projections. I think that Tom Brady has going to have a better, one of his better seasons he's had statistically. Um, I think last year, as we saw the season progress, he got more and more comfortable in the offense. He's got the weapons around him; they brought all that back. Bruce Arians isn't going to become a run-oriented, you know, quarterback or a quarterback call or play, play caller overnight. So I think when all you put all these factors, this is going to be an offense where it's going to, you know, swing the ball around. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to push the ball down the field. They're going to opportunity to score a lot of points, and they have weapons to do so. He's even going to get even more weapons back with O.J. Howard you know, rejoining the team this year. So in, when you look at what Tom Brady has available to him and how he kind of finished off the season as the season progressed last year, I think he's got more upside than he's had in a long time. And for me, I think he's got to be somebody that people can't continue to sleep on or just kind of write off in a sense. Because like I said, this guy played with a tour MCL last year and was still you know, one of the top 10 quarterbacks. I see nothing but upside. I see nothing but opportunity moving forward. I think he's going to make a lot of people kind of doubt, you know, they, they draft him this late or wait this late to draft him. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady, just with all the weapons and with the passing volume, I, I don't think that um, his ADP is really fair to him, especially just considering – you know, he will be getting adding Antonio Brown. He will be adding OJ Howard. Um, they're, I think they brought be, Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, they brought in Giovanni Bernard for him. Really, that RB position as a whole, I think, will get more interesting. You know, Leonard Fournette really wasn't lighting it up until um, until playoff time. Um, that offense as a whole is terrifying, and Bruce, every Bruce Arians offense ever. Is ran through the quarterback 100%. And not only that, every Bruce Arians offense for a, quite a bit of time, probably since Andrew Luck, since Andrew Luck didn't get two years, every quarterback that has, has played under Arians since Andrew Luck has had a, a, a step forward in their second year. And uh, Tom Brady, there's not a lot of room forward to go, but somehow I think we might see it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that the big part about him being more healthy is you're going to see him be able to plant more on that front foot and drive the ball down more of the field. And I think that's where you're going to see more bigger plays opportunities this year too. Yeah. Um, so, so with that, we can move on to Will Fuller, who I, I had uh, – we, we, we talked earlier about a, a Texans wide receiver. Now we're talking about someone who's breaking away from the Texans. Um, and joining Tua, uh, he's a massive upgrade at the wide receiver position for the wrong, the, the young uh, quarterback. Um, and 
ADP wise, he's currently at 39, um, which to me that just seemed a little too low. I, he's not someone who I'm seeing this massive, massive rise for. Um, but I, I think Tua, especially if he is as aggressive as we all think, um, we'll be getting him the ball quite a bit. We've finally seen Will Fuller be a little more on the healthy side. Um, you know, he, he will um, miss uh, a couple games, but not nearly enough for, for me to be, um, you know, too, too concerned. It's not nearly enough for me to have him as a wide receiver for. I think he's someone who's maybe a low-end wide receiver three. Again, I'm not seeing some dramatically above the ADP for him, but I, I think he'll do um, he'll do better than some of the guys above him, like Jarvis Landry, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, for instance. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, that's why I look at some of the guys, like I said, going before some of these guys in the 30s, 40s. Um, and I think we look at Will Fuller last year. He, he, he improved to me as a receiver overall. He didn't just become a one-trick pony. He's not just a one-trick pony where he's just a deep guy. I think as a result of that, you see him be able to utilize differently and be more involved in this offense. And I think that he's going to probably be one of the top guys. You know, Dan and I talked about this on the sh- our show last week about kind of where we saw the receivers kind of stepping up in Miami and who's going to be the, that guy. And I think Will Fuller has the chance to be that guy as long as he's healthy. Jalen Waddle thinks going to be that guy if he's not necessarily healthy. And Jalen Waddle will kind of be the security blanket because two has familiarity with him because he'll play in a little bit more. But those two guys are probably going to be the primary benefits of the more improved Tua and the more improved offense. And I think that week in, week out, he should be one of the guys that's you know, more consistent. Dan, where'd you end up ranking uh, ranking Will Fuller? Do you have him yet? I haven't, I haven't ranked at wide receiver 28. Uh, I do. I have him well ahead of the ADP at wide receiver 39. More so for the per-game basis. I still have it baked in. Will Fuller missing five games this season. We know automatically he's going to miss at least one game in week one. And then he just... We talked about this last week. He just He's never played more than 11 games in a season. It wasn't until last year that he was even able to stay healthy for the games that he did play for. And again, because the PEDs, how much that had involvement, I don't think it was coincidence. That was suddenly his first healthy season as a result. So that's where I kind of debate a little bit is how many games can you get out of Will Fuller? Can you get two-thirds of a season? Well, on a per-week basis, I do think when he's healthy, he'll be the number one receiver for the Dolphins. To Chris's point, I think he is more than a one-trick pony. He did develop as a wide receiver last year in separation and his targets run. So Will Fuller is something to me that he's going to be ranked as a mid-level wide receiver three, but he's Will Fuller. And if they're going to stay true to being aggressive, he's going to be a guy who can win you weeks at times and just go off. So I do like him quite a bit. Uh, definitely ahead of the ADP at wide receiver 39, especially. So I think he's definitely somebody you can get at a steal value. And he's someone who, uh, you know, if you happen to join the uh, Belly Up Fantasy uh, Best Ball Bowl, could be a value <laughs> over there in one of the leagues over there. Big um, time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will go ahead and stay at the wide receiver position. Go back to Chris for Cortland Sutton, um, <laughs> who, you know, a Broncos receiver getting an, somehow – an upgrade at quarterback. I'm not high on Bridgewater, but I'm a lot lower on Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, I know that Cortland Sutton's come back from a major injury, but the ACLs aren't what they used to be. People come back and they're able to be productive. They're able to be explosive. 
Um, and he's definitely going to be, to my opinion, the top receiver still in that offense. I like Jeremy Judy. I think Hamler is going to have, you know, beat some speed to kind of push things. You have no fan. But overall, Cortland Sutton's the top dog in that offense, I think. And when you look at the guys kind of fit around them, they all fit in better roles as a two, a three, a tight end kind of being utilized as a, as a seam structure. So Cortland Sutton, to me, has the opportunity to come back in and definitely surpass his number 32, uh, receiver 32. I think they have his ADP right now. Um, and then when you look at what he, what he was when his last time he was healthy, he was receiver 19. He had a better – with his breakout year before last year. And his quarterback play wasn't anything better that he's going to have this year no matter what. So he had Joe Flacco. He had Allen. And he had our, our boy, Drew Locke. So, I mean, you look at those three guys he basically was able to play with and still have those statistics and still be able to put up numbers. I'm not so worried about the quarterback position. I think that Bridgewater, whoever it is, will be an upgrade no matter what he kind of went through because, in a sense, he's, he's he, I think he's kind of had his breakout moment and his opportunity to kind of be the guy. He's in his contract year. So I look for a lot of things for Quilton Sutton to have an upside, a guy to kind of hit the field. You know, running in a lot of ways. He hit, you can talk to Von Miller. He said that on offseason, talking about a lot of guys come back from ACL, talk to Adrian Peterson. I think this guy has a lot of a big chip on his shoulder to try to prove people don't forget about me. I'm still I'm still a beast. Yeah, the only thing I worry about with Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback is, is does he just does he over target the underneath guy? And of the two, even though everyone wants to bring up the stat that Jerry Judy was second in air yards last year. I'm like, yeah, it's because Cortland Sutton wasn't in the field. I don't I don't know why no one brings that up when they mention that, but whatever. I expect Jerry Judy to be the intermediate underneath guy most of the time. So my only question would be, does Teddy Bridgewater kind of target him a little bit more as a result of that? But I'm with you. Cortland Sutton should be the number one wide receiver. He was on the way to being a star in this league. I don't worry about the ACL stuff when it comes to these guys anymore, the way they can come back just as strong as ever. So I do like Cortland Sutton a lot. Um, I have him ranked at wide receiver 29. His his ADP is wide receiver 32, so I'm a little bit ahead. Not a lot ahead, but I do think he's a valuable wide receiver three where if they can get Bridgewater to be a little bit more aggressive or if Pat Shermer can kind of tap into what he did with Case Keenum, he does have more of an upside from there. Yeah, yeah I mean, even, even if he targets the underneath guy more so, like they did Kyle Robbie Anderson last year, DJ Morsell has you know, was still very successful statistically, so I think that yeah. Sutton's still going to be very successful as well. Yeah, I, I mean, as much as I uh, I can criticize Bridgewater, the quarterback, he definitely uh, did sustain some wide receivers last season. Moving on from, from Sutton, um, who you had as your eighth most undervalued guy, um, we can hit up some back-to-back tight ends. Um, I, I have Evan Ingram um, of the Giants as my, my eighth most undervalued guy at I just, yeah, why don't you go I, first, Adam, because I'm going to hit this button on you. Make your case while he's undervalued, man, because I am not an Evan Ingram fan this year. See, I'm not a big fan of him, the player. I just think he's being undervalued because I, I don't, I still don't love the receiver group of the Giants. I think he's going to continue to get the volume um, that he's been getting. And just due to how the tight end position is, I think that alone will put him above uh, the tight end 13 that he's currently at. At least that's what I have him at. Um, Not by a lot. Again, this is towards the bottom of the list. But he's someone who I see a lot closer to tight end 10 than I do tight end 13. Um, Just again, pure 
volume. I don't think that anyone on the Giants is really taking a massive step forward. Um, Evan Ingram's breakout year, they had uh, they had Saquon. Saquon coming back will you know, certainly take a little bit of the volume off of him uh, that he had last season. But he also didn't have Daniel Jones for a, lot, uh, a couple games last season. They were playing with Colt McCoy. Um, so, again, th- I don't think he's in for some major breakout by any means. Uh, but just due to the nature of the tight end position in fantasy, um, I-, I see him kind of more as a, a low-end tight end one than a high-end tight end two. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I have him ranked at tight end 16. His ADP is tight end 13, so I'm even lower than the ADP is on him. I think bringing in Kenny Galladay hurts his touchdowns. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed now with Saquon Barkley back. I was not impressed with the way they tried to use Evan Ingram for Jason Garrett being a guy who has a history getting tight ends the ball. I didn't really like the way they used Evan Ingram last year, and I'll add this on top of it. Ingram finally played a full season, and he still only finished his tight end 16 last year. So the health, which is usually a factor when it comes to Evan Ingram, wasn't one last year, and he didn't finish all that high. So I'm just not big on Evan Ingram this season at all. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out on that one. Okay, Chris, be the tiebreaker. I mean, for me, Evan Ingram, I understand, I think I like his talent. I think he has the ability to be a difference maker. I think he's going to see a lot more less attention in a lot of ways than he did last year because of the added weapons. But on the flip side, we have Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator. We're going to have concerns as how can he use the weapons in the first place that he already has. They drafted Tony. They have, they have Slav Shepard. They have Slayton. They have Kenny Galladay. They have Saquon coming back. So you have a lot of different mouths to feed, and this offense hasn't shown they could feed multiple mouths. And as Dan kind of pointed out last year, Evan Ingram had every opportunity to be the guy and still kind of struggled. So I look at this guy as a guy that he kind of is what he is. Maybe he gets lucky and has more opportunity where he has because he's not getting as much attention and he has more big plays. But I also don't trust Jason Garrett to be a guy who necessarily schemes his tight end open. You know, people kind of have that assumption because, you know, we talk about Witten. But Witten wasn't a guy who's necessarily the same kind of skill set that you look for Ever Ingram. Ever Ingram was more of a speed guy, more of a guy who pushes and is able to kind of attack the seams. Jason Witten's kind of that guy who turns around in his zone and catches that four-yard pass over and over again. He never had great statistics overall. So I think Evan Ingram and the fit for the offense is a bit of a problem as well. Yeah, like I think Ingram, you know, this this list is based off a of redraft, but you want to talk dinosaurs for a second. Like I think he could have like an Eric Ebron type of resurgence somewhere else when he gets to go leave the Giants. There's somewhere where he gets to be a, a team stretcher. I love the talent. I don't want to get that twisted. I love the player, but the situation is just not great. And and plus the health factor too. I mean, I can't can't really bank on Evan Ingram actually going back to back full seasons on top of all of it. The, the one area that I, I think I will uh, push back a little bit is on the Kelly, Kenny Galladay point, um, you know, him coming in as a, a red zone threat. Ingram, for a tight end, has never, even in the, the couple good seasons he had early on in his career, that's just not him. He's someone who you're getting 
um, a lot of receptions with and a lot of yardage with, and you're hoping you get, um, you know, last season he only had one touchdown. You're hoping you get closer to three to five, but you're not getting much more than that anyways. Um, and that, that is what caps him for me at um, where I, I had him closer to a low-end tight end one. Um, he, he can get all the yards in the world, but if you get five tight touchdowns in the tight end position, that like, it's not going to bring you much higher than, say, tight end 11 or 10. I'll add one more factor to that. Also, the signing Kyle Rudolph, where he's not going to be involved in the 20s, but he could still want to be involved in the red zone there too. Right. Yeah. So, so moving on um, from Ingram to um, – Another tight end, I believe. You you actually went back-to-back tight ends. Uh, Tyler Higby, whose ADP is 17, um, benefits, of course, from losing Everett. Um, Everett went uh, to Seattle, um, stayed nearby, left with his uh, offensive coordinator. Um, why do you see the massive jump for Higby? And what's the jump to, I should say? Well, yeah, I got him. I'm so for the month of August, I'm going to be in a lot of arguments with a lot of people because I'm going to be the guy who has a bunch of sleeper tight ends in his top 10 that nobody else is even going to be sniffing. His ADP is tight end 17. I got him ranked at tight end seven. Matthew Stafford throws the ball to tight ends, especially in the red zone. Oh, always has, even when he doesn't have good ones. Gerald Everett is gone. The last time Tyler Higby got to play without Gerald Everett, he was lighting it up and was a top six tight end during that stretch. That was with Jared Goff. Again, I expect this to be a better offense with a better quarterback this season. Tyler Higby will be on the field all the time, all the time, because he can actually block. They didn't bring in another tight end of consequence. So Jean McVay, who does game plan to get the ball to his tight ends, will just be getting the ball to Tyler Higby now. So Higby, I think, is somebody who's getting grossly overlooked he is probably the it's gonna be a tie between him and adam troutman obviously as the sleeper tight end of the year for me and i i got him a tight end seven i love him yeah absolutely higby has been someone who um like you said without everett um was a successful tight end you know they add everett um he becomes that more move tight end and and higby kind of got to the sidelines as more of a possession and blocking guy um but I, I think with Stafford and with losing Everett, he, he is in for a, a you know a, a pretty big increase. Now that increase is going to be capped because of all the receivers that they already have. Uh, but to your point, Stafford does love his tight ends in the red zone. I mean, Fourier had what like twenty receptions for seven touchdowns that one year. Um, Stafford's going to throw it to the big guy in the end zone. It's just what he likes to do. That's big for Higby. Um, the tight end position is one where there's a massive gap between the top five or six guys and everyone else. Um, yeah. and, and I think Higby is someone that should be at the top of the everyone else category. Yeah, I mean, it, at least after the six guys, it's, it's streamer territory anyway. But I really like Higby this season as the guy with no Gerald Everett there. And that's right, Higby over Kyle Pitts, too. Two for two. We'll bank that and get to it later. <laughs> we will absolutely have to get back to that. Um, so the, we'll go we'll go back to back with, with you, actually. Uh, so Chris's number nine pick was Michael Thomas, who we, we've already talked about. Um, Jalen Hurts is someone who's was remarkably consistent as a fantasy starter, largely because of his legs. As a quarterback, he 
it's up in the air. You know, uh, there there's a lot of room for improvement, absolutely. But also his weapons weren't that great either. Um, with a, a step forward as a passer, he could be great. But does, does he even need a step forward as a passer? I mean, not, not if he runs the way he did last year. As long as he has the volume, which I do think he'll have because I don't think the Eagles will be very good. I think their defense is still going to be bad. And because they drafted Devonta Smith, I don't think they're going to be shy about throwing the football. So as long as he has the volume, because he needs it, because he only completes about 50% of his passes, he'll have enough passing production to go with his rushing ability. Now, this isn't a huge leap for me. His, his ADP is, is QB10. I have him ranked at QB7, but... Where I have him ranked, I feel like I have him at a safe rank, meaning I think there's a lot more potential than where I even have him ranked at. There's going to be three top quarterbacks when it comes to rushing next season. It's going to be Lamar, it's going to be Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts is going to be right there. There's going to be three quarterbacks who are looking at the potential of 800 or more yards rushing the football. He's one of those guys. So because of that, and because it doesn't matter how flat he plays the quarterback position because the Eagles don't have anybody else, I'm not worried about him getting benched. So Hurst becomes a guy that I think winds up being a steal in a sense, especially when you go to his his overall ADP, which has him at about the eighth round or so, uh, ninth round. Actually, I love grabbing him there as a guy that, you know what, I waited on all the top quarterbacks. Give me this guy who's going to be able to produce on the same level those guys on a week-to-week basis that I can platoon with, and I already have my roster in place. So that's why Jalen Hurts is one of my undervalued guys because he doesn't have to be a great passer. I think he's going to get 800 rushing yards this season, and that's all you need to bank on. Yeah, and and Chris, uh, do you think there's any chance he does improve as a passer with the added weapons and with uh, Rieger being uh, in his second year? Yeah, I think it's his opportunity. I mean, he had some decent passing statistics-wise last year as well. He had a couple of games over 300 yards passing. So you're looking for some opportunities, some volume. I think, though, that I think you know, Dan kind of pointed out, I, I think it's easy for him to finish kind of – I think he'll be a top-10 quarterback. A 10 for me, the ADP is not too bad. Maybe he gets a little bit higher. Seven, you know, I don't think is a, definitely not a stretch. I think he definitely can maybe reach that. I think he's got a safe floor. So I think he's a good quarterback for your, for your team. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's undervalued, but I do think he is somebody that people should be keeping their eye on and definitely targeting. Yeah, I, I think uh, to your point, he's not someone where the value is outrageous for his ADP, but I think there is some to grab there, especially where he's going overall. Now at the quarterback position, it's kind of up in the air, but um, with the upside, if he was to improve as a passer, he like, he could have an outstanding season as a fantasy quarterback. But even as he is now, as someone who I don't expect to have enough to uh, improve that much drastically as a passer, um, I think he's solid to good value. Um, staying at the quarterback position, I have Derek Carr as my ninth guy. And this is someone, again, who's not um, a massive undervalued guy, but he's someone who's being ranked below guys like Trey Lance and Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Carson Wentz, Justin Fields. And I think Derek Carr is someone who is a, uh, if, if you are in, for instance, a, a super flex league, he's someone who's uh, just, he's your solid quarter, quarterback too. He's just consistent at that. He's not someone who you want as your QB one, but he's a great bi-week starter. He's a great uh, waiver starter. Um, if you need him, he, I see him finishing. He's a QB 25. I I think he'll be closer to somewhere between 19 and 22. 
I mean, I don't yeah, think they'd be 23. Yeah, so right in there. Yeah, I think yeah. Derek Carr is one of those guys who's kind of overlooked a lot because every year they're talking about replacing him. But he's been really solid the last couple of years, and he's got a great floor when it comes to fantasy. He's kind of like the West Coast Matt Ryan in a lot of ways. Um, he's going to get you 4,000 yards. He's going to get you mid-20 touchdowns, maybe close to 30. And that's pretty much you're going to get guaranteed week in, week out, or year in, year out. So I think that we look at the offense, where he's kind of in place, he's, he's comfortable. He's got different weapons available to them, kind of seem similar to what he's had in the past. I think Derek Carr continued to be one of those guys that kind of gets overlooked, but has production week in, week out. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that kind of worries me is is the downgrade at the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I think he said at receiver, they added Kenyon Drake, um, who's going to be another check down guy. Um, so really, it's just the receiver, offensive they line. They added Kenyon Drake. That sentence was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the offensive line can be a bit concerning. But to me, he's just someone who, uh, Chris, you and I talked about this last week. Uh, he's like Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways, and that he's just someone who's a consistent QB2. ADP wise, he's currently a QB3. No, I think he's going to stay his consistent QB two, especially if again if someone like Trey Lance and Ryan Fitzpatrick is is being taken above him in a redraft. Um, moving past uh, Carr, who I don't think moves the needle that much, we can go to uh, Chris, your final guy, Joe Mixon, um, someone who I was tempting for me. Um, you know, I. I'm I'm tired of saying this is finally the year of Joe Mixon, but I think this is finally the year of Joe Mixon. Yeah, I don't think Joe Mixon is being drastically underrated. It's kind of like Michael Thomas for Dan that he was talking about. I think Joe Mixon's to me, clearly a second-round pick, clearly. I think he's going borderline third. He's running back 13 right now. Um, you know, I think losing Giovanni Bernard should help him improve, and he was RB13 when he was healthy two years ago in 2019. So I think when you look at his, his opportunity and where he's being drafted in his ADP, I think you got to kind of consider him definitely the top 10 running back, if not one of the top seven or eight running backs, because I think it starts getting more interesting when you start kind of comparing him to Gibson when I mean, before Cam Akers got hurt. There's a lot of guys who are going before him that you look at you look at their numbers. It, or is it really fair that they're going this much higher than Joe Mixon is? I think Joe Mixon's clearly a borderline RB1, uh, RB2 guy. So I think this is, to me, he's going a little bit lower than I think he should be. Well, I just think it's the narrative. Uh, his ADP is is, is RB thirteen, but there's a lot of there's a lot of narrative in the industry right now that's trying to steer you away from taking Joe Mixon in the second round. And a lot of, look, more of it's to do with injury, and, and that is definitely a legitimate gripe to have. And we haven't seen Mixon play a full season in a little while. He just needs to get nicked up. But what I'll say to that is this: Jimmy Bernard, yet gone, and also this offense. Should if Joe Burrow's really back week one, should be pretty explosive, should be able to put up some points. I have him at RB12. That will change to RB11 once I get Cam Akers out of my rankings. Thank you, Cam Akers, for screwing that up for me. But Joe Mixon's a guy that I think you could take with confidence. So I think it's more about the narrative that Chris is getting at to not be afraid to take him with confidence in that early second round and to know that you have a guy who very much has top a potential quite frankly with the workload because he's gonna get more of a workload than more running backs are really going to see anywhere around here he's gonna get a workload similar to those top elite guys and he has the talent to go with it 
can that offense be explosive enough? Because the offensive line is not great to keep guys out of the box and let Joe Mixon do his thing and get his and get his receptions that he should be able to get. Now that he won't have annoying little Bernard going after him. And look, I know they talked about you know Samaji Perine getting involved, the passing downs. I, that just made me laugh. So I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah, I, I'd have. I was just gonna say I'd have to agree. I, I'm not at all worried about Perine. I, I think this is definitely Joe Mixon's backfield. Yeah, I think there's very few situations in today's NFL where it's clearly a guy who's clearly the guy in the backfield. You know, people, like I said, are going to be forward, like Aaron Gibson. You know, we, we assume this is Gibson, but this is only a second year. So there's a lot of assumptions for some of these young guys are continue to be as productive as they have been or, or jump from their production from last year. While Joe Mixon, to me, when he's healthy, has been productive year in, year out. So I don't think you're necessarily making a leap of faith if you have a guy you can pretty much guarantee with the system he's in, with the offense. And, and as Gain kind of pointed out, the new weapons they have in place, it's going to be hard to play and keep on Joe Mixon this year. You're not going to be able to play year nine in the box to try to stop him. You have explosive receivers. You have a quarterback who can sling it around. And we've seen guys in the system, a la Gurley, have very success, great success when they're able to be utilized in all, you know, all phases of the offense. Yeah, I, I mean, the offensive line, there's definitely, you know, uh, you can definitely have a gripe with that. But I would still not hesitate to call this the best offense that Joe Mixon has been a part of in the NFL. And if he, I harp on it a lot, but that means a lot at the running back position to have a good offense around you. Um, unless you're one of those top-tier guys, then it is hard to be consistently productive if the offense around you can't carry their weight. <laughs> Moving on uh, from Mixon, we have – back-to-back wide receivers. Um, first, we will we'll stay in the same division. We'll stay in the north. Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman's um, pulling up his ADP now. Um, but I, I think he's just kind of getting knocked because of uh, the narrative. Nobody that, knows who that number one receiver is going to wind up being. I mean, that that's what I think it boils down to, why his ADP is as low as it is. Well, yeah, I think it's that. It's, and 50, I think it's, it's not 59, by the way. Yeah, 59, which is it's why he's here. Um, to be honest with you, I, I'm a low on, on Watkins. He's someone who hasn't impressed me in recent years. I, I think Watkins will start out as the wide receiver one. I don't think he finishes the, the year there, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think Marquise Brown is an, a very good talent. I, I think – you know, he's going to be effective. I think he's a very good wide receiver at the position um, in football. But in fantasy terms, he's a deep threat. He's not someone who's going to garner a lot of targets. Now, I get that the Ravens offense is just going to run a lot. But as we pointed out on this show, that is likely to start trailing off here a little bit. Now, how much it trails off is something that – we have debated quite a bit and I'm sure there's even more debate outside of us. Um, but I, I think as he, as Lamar gets older, as he gets into that second contract, I, I think he is going to throw at least a little more. And I, I think he finally in Watkins and in Bateman now has options to go to the outside. You know, it's not going to be a deep to Marquise Brown B over the middle to Mark Andrews. I, I think he has something other than that, finally. And I, I think he'll be building a uh, 
uh, some chemistry with his new receiver pretty quickly. Yeah, I just don't want to touch a Ravens wide receiver. I actually have Bateman ranked lower than the ADP, but that's certainly only because I just don't want to touch a Ravens wide receiver in general. I have Watkins on a week-to-week basis being the number one targeted guy. Would I be surprised if Bateman overtook him by the end of the season? No, it wouldn't shock me. Do I think there's a chance that one of these wide receivers emerges as the guy and winds up being maybe a wide receiver three, wide receiver four type? Sure. But even if the Ravens drastically increase their pass attempts, they're still probably going to be 32nd, somewhere between 30 and 32nd in the league in pass attempts anyway. So I'd rather see Bateman what happens with him in 2022. I just think there's a lot up in the air when it comes to 2021 with Watkins, with Marquise Brown and Bateman himself. I don't, I just don't think there's a reason to draft this guy. This is somebody you're going to be able to watch in the waiver wire. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to emerge at some point, given his talents, given that he's a, route runner. He could be a chain mover. He could be a safety blanket for Lamar Jackson. I don't doubt any of that, but I think it's going to be after Sammy Watkins the beginning of the season, and I don't think Marquise Brown is suddenly just going to go drastically away as far as targets go. So I just don't... I Really, ultimately, I just don't want a Ravens wide receiver. There's not a lot of upside there in my mind. Not for 2021, anyway. I do yeah, want Mark I, Andrews, though. I'll say that. Yeah. I was going to say, I think Adam, this is probably my biggest struggle as a player that for me to rank myself um, because I see half of me sees what Dan says and kind of goes over all the different weapons they have in place. The fact that they run the ball so often, will he actually have a chance to eat? But then I look at the talent. I read what comes what's coming out of you know OTAs and how impressed they are with this guy and how I realize I think Rashad Bateman is a true number one receiver. We talked about this on our draft shows before. So I think that when you kind of look at those two things, he has the one of the big, probably one of the biggest boom opportunities in a lot of senses to be that guy. But he also has a lot of opportunity to be kind of a guy that you just, damn, I wish I even took him there because you didn't, you didn't because you have to worry about Sammy Watkins because you work about Andrews. I mean, they have so many weapons in, in right now in the Ravens' offense. It's really hard to kind of gauge how this offense will unfold and then add the Greg Roman factor. You're not really sure what you can kind of bank on, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes the guy because we've seen Michael Crabtree have success at offense. We've seen Antoine Bolden have success on offense. Those guys who can run the routes, who can get open. Greg Roman doesn't have a problem necessarily utilizing those guys and wanting to utilize those guys. So I think this can go so many different ways. There's a guy who could probably win your league or at the worst case scenario, if you do draft him a little earlier, there's a guy that you hide when your first waiver drops and look for somebody else. But I think he is one of those guys that to me is really, I don't even know how to kind of rate myself. I mean, to be yeah. clear here, if you're drafting Rashad Bateman, you're literally doing it in the last round anyway. So you're not really, it's not going to cost you much, even if you do wind up drafting him. But I think in most drafts, you're not even going to have to in redraft leagues. Yeah. And that, that's kind of my point is that I think he's either, um, you know, the last guy you draft and he's someone who it's like, all right, let's see what he does first couple weeks. And then I'll, you know, drop him out for someone else who's uh, uh, becoming a, a good waiver wire pickup, or he's someone that does eventually become that good waiver wire pickup. Um, I think by year's end, he, he can outperform that wide receiver 59, not by a lot, not by, you know, he's not going to be a, I highly doubt he's any better than a wide receiver four, if that, but I could see him becoming someone who's a flex option by year's end. Um, not much more than that, but he could make it there. No, I think it's um, a great point. I kind of look at him like Brandon Ayuk last year, where Brandon Ayuk, you weren't really sure going into the season what to expect from him. And then when Debo was healthy, and then when Debo got hurt, 
you know, you saw him kind of become the D guy and become more involved. He was a great flex option. He was a nice receiver three if you had him on your team. So I think you see that kind of similar path for Bateman this year in a sense. Yeah. Um, and to your point there, uh, the last time that Sammy Watkins played 16 games now, obviously it's 17, but the last time Sammy Watkins played a full season was his rookie year back in 2014. So at some point we are more likely than not going to see Bateman without Watkins. And he, I mean, I, once again, I think all of the world of Marquise Brown, he was someone that, you know, popped on film to me at Oklahoma but he's a better football player than he is a fantasy receiver. Uh, one of these other guys, whether it is Watkins or whether it is uh, Bateman, is going to out-target him by a mile. Um, I'm sorry, but once Bateman gets on the field without Watkins, I, I think it's going to be a no-brainer, at least as far as any Ravens receiver is concerned. Uh, moving on from Bateman, though, our last uh, our last player and – uh, our, our back-to-back receiver here um, and our second Dolphins receiver we've talked about. Um, so we talked earlier about how if Will Fuller, you know, stays healthy and, and doesn't get suspended or anything like that, you know, he could be that top of the Dolphins receiver court kind of guy. But if not, it's Jalen Waddle. Dan, oh, <laughs> tell us about Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I mean, his ADP is 42. I got him ranked at wide receiver 33. Now, while I have Will Fuller ranked a little bit ahead, because, again, I think on a week-to-week basis, Will Fuller will be the lead guy. By the season's end, because I just expect Fuller to miss a few games, I think Waddle actually wound up being the number one Dolphins wide receiver. I still put him ahead of Devontae Parker because, one, he gets more separation. So I think it's going to lead better to Tua targeting him more, and two, he'll be in the slot, which, again, I think leads more to Tua targeting him more. There's just, there wasn't a rapport between Parker and Tua last season and it, until the last game of the year. I just don't think he's going to throw that jump ball if he doesn't have to. So Waddle, I think, is in a situation where he's going to be a better rookie than most people, I think, realize. And I do think he's going to have opportunities to get his target share amplified with either Fuller or Parker, who also misses games at times, missing time inevitably throughout this season. Uh, He's an explosive wide receiver at that. So when he gets his opportunity, he's a guy who can catch the ball anywhere on the field and take it right to the house. So I like him as a wide receiver three, as more of a boom bust guy who can win you your, your weeks. How consistent he'll be will depend upon how consistent the Dolphins offense, how consistent to it is. But I like Waddle quite a bit as that guy to put on your team. You can draft him as a wide receiver four. I do think you're going to wind up with a wide receiver three by season's end. Yeah, it's hard for me to knock you there. He he is a, a just a really talented guy, um, and I, I think at worst he is that second receiver there with Tua. You know, I, as we've mentioned a couple times here, you know, hopefully being a little bit more aggressive. And even if not, I think Waddle's someone that um, from the slot is a, a danger every time he touches the ball to take it to the house. Um, you know, I, I feel like people have made the Tyreek Hill comparison way too many times to way too many players. But Jalen Waddle is the first guy who at least kind of almost makes the comparison, you know, something worth talking about. Um, He is someone who I really think, again, anytime he gets the ball, whether it's on a drag or whether it's on a fly, I think he can make something happen. Yeah. I also think that, you know, you talk about a guy who, 
a lot of people just have Jamar Chase being the clear number one rookie receiver in this class, and I don't think that's necessarily the case when you look at how it's going to unfold. I do think Jalen Waddle could be that guy, or at least the number two guy. I mean, I love Bateman, but I think that when it comes to fantasy-wise this year, Jalen Waddle has got a nice floor, and I definitely trust him, and I think that people are kind of assuming that there's other guys who are going to be better because there's different situations. Devontae Smith's going to be better than Philadelphia. I think that's kind of a lot of assumptions that when you look at what the, what's in place and what the Dolphins have and him playing the slot we talked about, I think Jalen Waddle has an opportunity to really have a lot of upside this year. Yeah, I know they were both on our list, and, you know, um... Uh, we had Hertz as a, a higher fantasy quarterback, but let's be clear, two is the better passer. So in, in regards to Smith versus Waddleites, for me, that's a no-brainer in Waddle's favor. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, look, I like Devonta Smith in the sense of he could be the number one targeted wide receiver this season. But when you start to break down the inefficiencies of Jalen Hurts as a passer, it it it, it might not matter. It, it might not matter. You still might not want a Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver. In fact, I think I have Devonta Smith ranked wide receiver forty-seven. He's my top Eagle wide receiver ranked. Uh, it, it sometimes and with a ton of targets too. By the way, I have him going over well over hundred targets, and it just again the inefficiency of Jalen Hurts as a passer really just hinders them as pass catchers where with Tua and Jalen Waddle, I'm not worried about that. So I like Waddle a lot. I like Jamar Chase a lot as far as rookie wide receivers go. I don't see anybody having a Justin Jefferson type of year where they wind up being a wide receiver one. Uh, Jamar Chase is both Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle have too many people. They have to share the rock with, I think in order for that to happen, uh, but they're going to be positive redraft rookie wide receivers the both of them. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree there. Um, I, I think that's the show, guys. I think we, we've kind of hit everyone. We did it. We did it. We, we made it through. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening. my uh, friends again. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you guys for, for listening. It's been a, a pleasure to uh, come and talk football, so I hope you enjoyed listening to us. Um, Dan, what's the, the status of the show this week? What what are you guys talking about? Yeah, we're continuing on the team profiles. Uh, continuation there. We're getting towards the end. We'll be on 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented by Belly Up Sports. We're talking about the Giants, the Ravens, the Saints, and the Chargers this week, so it should be pretty good. I got some pretty hot takes there. I think you're going to hear... Chris and I argue about Kenny Galladay, so you look forward to that. Make sure you tune in, because that's pretty much going to kick off the show, because we're going to be talking about the Giants right away. Uh, So you have that to kind of look forward to. And then next week, we're going to be going to two episodes a week. So we'll we'll be wrapping up the Team Profile series on Thursdays and Fridays, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So that's what's coming down. I'm going to have these rankings up for you guys on the BillitFantasySports.com website, I think, by the weekend. Uh, they're going to be published on Fantasy Pros before that, so just look me up, Dan Mater on there. But I will have them up on BillitFantasySports.com uh, pretty soon as well, so you'll just be able to check it out. And I'll have the projections along with the rankings up there too and you can only you can only find the projections on billy uh once that's up and live so we're i'm almost have that done at least for the pre pre training camp anyway and then after that you know they'll get updated as we go because more guys like cam Akers are bound to happen unfortunately 
Yeah, and uh, you know, as we're getting kind of closer here on the season, make sure you're at, going over to bellyupfantasy.com because our, our writers are um, kind of heating up for this uh, before the season push. Uh, you know, it's coming around draft time, so we're, we're trying to get out a lot more content right now um, related to fantasy football. Um, with that, um, like I said, we're trying to get more fantasy content out. This show will be moving to um, weekly uh, in August. Um, that That is definitely something to stay on the lookout for. Um, yeah, I, I think that's our show, guys. Uh, again, glad you all listened. Um, take care. See ya. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.